Hello and welcome back to the Second and Two podcast. I'm your host, TB, joined by my co-host, producer extraordinaire, hat connoisseur, barbecue grill master, background in business, player (laughs) J, Jody. (laughs) Yo, yo, what's good, bro? How you been? How was uh, 4th of July? Oh, yeah. Shout out to uh, the birthday of the country. Happy 4th to everyone. Happy belated 4th. I guess we're a few days late, whatever. Uh, My 4th was good. You know, played uh, the most American sport there is. Baseball? Nah, well, that probably is it, but like cornhole, you know? Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very 4th of July, you know, hang out, you know? Toss some bags around. Yeah, Yeah. dude, put some, put some music on, put, throw some shades on, all-time vibes. Yep. What kind of, (laughs) what kind of music? That's where, that's the big question. Let my dad have the ox. Uh-huh. Um, to give everyone some background on my father, he's about he's fifty. So he was his like high school era was like the early nineties, big time into yeah. like, you know, rock and grunge and uh like metal, you know? That's yeah, like his yeah. deal. So he played like a Pandora playlist from like his high school era, like nineties rock, bro. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, honestly it was it was good. It fit the vibes. Yeah. It was nice. I didn't complain. I thought it was nice. All right, what about yeah. beach vibes? You're at the beach. What are you playing? Dude, I always struggle because I have like so many different genres of music that I like. Yeah. I think I would go for like something chill, you know, like maybe like some like some like reggae, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, I'd like agree some, with that. something something kind of slower and like relaxed, you know? Uh-huh. I'm not trying to like turn up at the beach right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because. As far as I know, most people, there's two. It's either reggae or country. And so I've always tried to figure out which one people prefer. Yeah, yeah, I would be more of a reggae guy. I I will say this. Never been a huge country music fan. Not a hater. You got to be prepared. Not a hater. Um, However, there's there's some stuff that I've been like, you know, maybe that's not the worst. Maybe that's that's okay. But uh, yeah, and it's probably the lowest on my list of preferences as far as genres of music at this point. Gotcha. Well, I, I'll give you a little preview. You got to be prepared for later. It's gonna come back full circle. You know, it's my day for the banger. So, so we'll get back to that. Looking but forward to now it. And then we got the the AFC West. You know what? You got some tidbits for us. I know you love those interesting facts. Love the tidbits. You know, I love giving them to you. You know the. This is really what the people who come to listen to this podcast, this is what they live for. I know yeah. it. I know all of you out there. That's why you come listen to us because we give you extra stuff that people don't, other people don't give you. <laughs> um, all right. I've got a real good one for you today. Let's hear them. Or Number eight, one. Going back to the old AFL days, all of the teams in the AFC West have won the division 15 times each each whoa it's a deadlock 15 15 15 15 any of you think about it it kind of makes sense because like all four of these teams the chargers the chiefs the raiders and the broncos have had their own little runs you know at different eras true kind of it kind of makes sense like the beginning of this era of this division would have been dominated by the raiders Mm -hmm. right yeah but then you kind of had the chargers sprinkled the chargers sprinkled throughout a little bit yeah. yeah, the Broncos really in the 90s. Mm-hmm. The Chargers, you know, yeah, like the LT, yeah, yep. Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates days. 
And then the Chiefs, obviously, in the last like seven years, have been yeah. unbelievable. Adding so Mahomes killing them. It makes sense. Based on even what I just said, this is a really streaky division. So since 2000, the Chiefs have nine division wins, including seven in a row since 2016. Yeah. The Broncos have six division wins, including five in a row from 11 to 15. That was Peyton Manning. The Chargers had five divisions, uh, have five division wins, and they had four in a row from 06 to 09. That was there. We just talked about Rivers, um, LT, Gates. Marty. Marion, Sean Marion, you know? yeah, um, or Merriman, Merriman. Yeah, I always, I always say that wrong because there's the Sean Marion in basketball, <laughs> and then there's what a the shot Sean Merriman. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the Raiders have three division wins, um, and they all came from 2000 to 2002. Whoa! So the the OG Gruden, OG Gruden era. Yeah. So. This division has produced a wild card team in four of the last seven seasons, and those teams have gone a combined one and four in the playoffs. So, Ooh. not great for their wild card teams. The one win was the last year of Philip Rivers in, well, at the time. San Diego? No, it was LA by then. So, the, oh, and the they were playing year. at the, the little stadium and yeah. they didn't sell it out. Oh man, why did you have to do that to Charger fans today? Come on, bro. Hey, hey it's okay. It's their year, bro. We all know that. <laughs> so, so Jody's Bronco fandom is clearly <laughs> is clearly coming into play today. <laughs> Every team in the division has made the playoffs at least once since 2015, since the 2015 season. Okay. The Chargers are the only team in the division without a Super Bowl win. The other three teams have three Super Bowl wins each. There you go. Um, and every team in the division has at least a Super Bowl berth. The Chargers' lone Super Bowl mm-hmm. berth being that that tremendous loss they suffered at the hands of the 49ers. Um, the Broncos are the only team in the division that has never relocated before. The oh. other three teams all relocated. At one time, the Kansas City Chiefs started out as the Dallas Texans. Really, I didn't know that one. That's is that's a really that's a trip, isn't it? Like you've got yeah. the Houston Texans, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Somehow, all three of those teams are like weirdly related in that weird way. Yep. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a part of the AFC West in 1976 as an expansion team and departed the division after that one season, which makes Damn. total sense because. When I saw that, I was like, wait, the Bucks were a part of the AFC West? That makes zero sense. Why would they? Yeah. They're literally as far east as you can get. <laughs> Why would they be part of the West? So it makes sense that after one year, everyone realized, wow, this They're is like, dumb. Wow, they but, should not be here. Yeah, ship them out. Go put them somewhere else. Yeah. But um, actually, this is this division, all these teams have pretty much been a part of it since like the um, – late 60s early 70s so uh-huh. it's uh it's going back like i said way back to the afl days if anything the only thing that's happened with this division that's been different is like adding other teams at different parts of the nfl's tenure and then taking those teams back away but these four teams yeah. have been pretty much standard in this division for a really long time um and that's why all of them have won it 15 times each so this yeah, year is like true. the ultimate rubber match tiebreaker winner take all for the division really important oh. year in the afc west not really we already know who's getting it. 
Okay, well, you know, I mean, don't spoiler alert everything right now. Yeah, right? Well, bro, I mean, you already said it. How many straight? Like seven? Come on. Seven in a row. Seven yeah. in a row. That means they're due for the gambler's fallacy says they're due for a loss. <laughs> but we're going to start with our first team, Joe. Yeah, first team, we're looking at the Las Vegas Raiders. You said everyone's moved. They moved from Oakland down to Las Vegas. Place I was just at, actually, kind of wild. Uh, let's see. They went 6-11 and last year. They finished third in the division, and they missed the playoffs, of course. Yeah, um, tough tough year last year. Um, Josh McDaniel's first year as the head coach, and I almost said Oakland. Vegas. <laughs> See all those relocations in this division really make it tough. Yeah. But really tough year in Vegas for for Josh McDaniels and company. Obviously had the really kind of nasty um, breakup with Derek Carr that basically mm-hmm. started while the season was still going when they just sat him down. Yeah, that's um, crazy. Been a lot of stuff in the news about that lately. Something about like Derek Carr talked about they they made his wife cry and I don't know. Oh, I haven't I, heard I, of that. Yeah, yeah. He talked, he did like an interview about it, or maybe he was on someone's podcast. You never know these days. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's all the same. You just kind of see like the picture with the quote, right? And yeah, then you're like yeah. trying to follow the rabbit Cold hole cards. of where it actually came from. Yeah. But basically, he said something like it really emotionally drained him the way that whole thing played out, which I could understand. You know, you were with one team for a really long time and then yeah. sort of ended um, in a way that you didn't want it to end, right? And then. Oh, for real. Um, he said he knew it was over when they made his wife cry. So apparently she cried because he wasn't playing. I, I don't know. They benched him. I don't, I'm not really sure. That, I guess <laughs> yeah, that's I why know. she cried. Whatever it is, it's sad. Yeah, I mean. He knew it was over. Bad breakup is what that was, huh? Yeah. So, um, you know, and then you lose Carr. You break up with Derek Carr. They also traded Darren Waller. Jarrett Stidham, who had a promising end to the season in Carr's absence. Uh, they also lost him in free agency to uh, another team we'll talk about in a second, but the the Denver Broncos. <laughs> um, they lost tight end Foster Moreau as well. So those four guys were all pretty key contributors. You also lost cornerback Rocky Sin, linebacker Denzel Perryman, D-lineman Andrew Billings, receiver Mac Collins, edge Clellan Farrell, safety Deron Harmon, cornerback Sidney Jones. I mean, a lot of guys who played a lot of snaps for them. So this team yeah. is much like a team we talked about previously, the Vikings. Yeah, pretty new-looking team. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I will say, whereas the Vikings did a lot of replacement-level drafting, uh, replacement, um, creating replacements, I should say, in the draft, um, the Raiders seem to use free agency to kind mm-hmm. of shore up a lot of their holes. They did some stuff in the draft as well, no doubt, but um, I thought they they really did more work in free agency here. They signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Some interesting controversy in terms of whether or not he's going to be healthy. It is healthy. (laughs) A lot going on with that there. Um, Receiver Receiver Jacoby Jacoby Myers Myers brought him him over from the Patriots Patriots. Um, after after he actually gave them a win last last year with his his weird backwards backwards pass pass interception thing. thing. (laughs) walk-off touchdown for the Raiders. And safety Marcus Epps from the uh, NFC champion Eagles. Linebacker Robert Spillane brought him over from from Pittsburgh. Tight end Austin Hooper. Cornerback David Long from the Rams. 
Offensive guard, Greg Van Roten, cornerback Duke Shelley from those Vikings, and then another corner in uh, Brandon Faison. Also, wide receiver kick returner DeAndre Carter from the the uh, uh, Chargers in the division, and then they also brought in tight end OJ Howard. So a lot of guys that they brought in in free agency, but um, I think a couple of the bigger names they brought in actually happened in the draft. As much as they did do uh, work in free agency, they drafted a couple big time guys. Yeah, they picked up edge rusher Tyree Wilson, who we talked about, and also tight end Michael Mayer, we talked about as well in our draft previews. Let's see the people who made those decisions. We got general manager Dave Ziegler, head coach Josh McDaniels, not to be confused with our guy from Dolphins with what, without the S on his last name. Let's see, offensive coordinator Mike Lombardi, or Mick Lombardi, whoa. Yeah, I didn't see those letters being mixed up right there. D coordinator Patrick Graham. And then before I let you break those down a little bit, I wanted, I got two quick notes from, from their additions in free agency. Our guy Jimmy G. I don't know if you remember when he first got out there, he had all the women on him. Remember at that, that one game? Yeah. He on courtside, they were just flocking to him. And then our guy Jacoby uh, Mayers, that was our no cap award that one week yeah you know, i'm so crazy you know you never thought it would happen that was that one <laughs> yeah um well i i mean congratulations to both of those guys <laughs> on these fake awards that they won from us no they're real they're really <laughs> they mean something to us yeah they mean something to us um i mean jimmy g i i guess congrats on the good looks and the money yeah. you know good for yeah. him and now he's in Vegas, so he can just crazy. Yep, but yeah. a lot of potential, as I like to say, from two fast and furious. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Paul Walker. Um, True. So we start looking at the uh, the Raiders. You know what they what their depth chart looks like. They wanted to. Uh, there's a lot of talk about them possibly updating, uh, you know, upgrading their offensive line. I mean, everyone loves Colton Miller at left tackle. Um, pretty good player there now for a few years. Dylan Parham at left guard, not a bad player. Andre 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 James at center. Um, Alex Bars at the right guard, and then Jermaine Illuminor at right tackle. No, a lot of people thought that they might try and upgrade the right tackle or either one of the guard spots here, but didn't appear that that player that they might have been targeting fell to them in the draft. So um, they kind of stick with what they've got, but they also have Justin Heron as a backup tackle. Greg Van Roten, who they, they signed in free agency, is an, a backup guard, and then Brandon Parker, another backup tackle. Their offensive line, I think, would rank near the middle of the league. Not great, but pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, they have a franchise left tackle in Colton Miller. And then the, the rest of the guys who are playing along that front, I think are good players. I don't think I would categorize any of them as great players. Um, yeah. So Makes sense. Mid- a mid-tier offensive line. You know, of course, whether you bring in the quarterback, Jimmy G, um, and behind him, Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer, and also Aiden O'Connell, who they uh, drafted late from Purdue. Um, so they're interesting quarterback room. I'm not really sure. You know, I, Jimmy G, if he's healthy, has proven to be good enough. Yeah, but I don't know that he's like a ceiling raiser. Like I'm not sure how much better he is as opposed to Derek Carr. To be quite frank with you, 
Um, and then he also has the injury issues that he's always yeah, yeah. had for a good yeah. chunk of his career. So um, you you put that with, you know, then Brian Hoyer is an older player, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean he's not good. He just, I mean, he's been in the league for a really long time. And then mm-hmm. Aiden O'Connell's a late draft pick. So it's a, I don't know if this, the quarterbacks in this room, if any of them project as the long-term starter in Vegas. Um, True. That makes sense. That to me says that, you know, we'll get to our predictions and all that, but <laughs> feels like the Raiders are looking for that long-term replacement to, to Carr. Honestly, I don't yeah. necessarily think it's Jimmy G. And so maybe they're a team that looks to be a high draft pick kind of team. This, this year's quarterback class is loaded by all accounts. So maybe this Caleb is the Williams watch. This is the Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jordan Travis. JJ McCarthy, you know, any of the, you know, or <laughs> Quinn Ewers, like whoever you like at the quarterback position that could potentially come out this year, this could be a team that maybe takes one of those guys. And, you know, so maybe they, they want to be a little bit higher in the, uh, in the draft. Just saying. <laughs> uh, at running back, Josh Jacobs, they franchise tagged him. And tough, I believe. Tough, tough yeah, I believe he, they have not come to a long-term contract agreement as of this moment. Am I correct on that, Joe? Uh, I would like to say yes. I'll go ahead and fact-check you real quick. Yeah, yeah, fact-check me in real time just so we're not uh, steering the people wrong here. But I, last I saw, he had not come to any kind of contract agreement with the Raiders. Um, so still working on that. They did franchise tag him to keep him. Um, they still have Amir Abdullah behind him and Brandon Bolden as well, filling out the running back room. At receiver, they bring back Devontae Adams, who does not seem like the happiest guy right now. Been some weird stuff in the media with him in terms of whether or not he uh, really likes it there or if he thinks they're going in the right direction in terms of winning. Obviously, he was really good friends with Derek Carr, played together in college. Yeah, um, and so seeing him, seeing him leave probably was not you know, something that he had anticipated or wanted um, this soon. Uh, but you also have Keenan Cole Sr. behind him. Tight end. Their tight end room is kind of stacked when you look at it. They've got Austin Hooper. They've got Michael Mayer and then O.J. Howard. All three of those guys are dynamic in different ways, can do different stuff. I, I actually really, really like their tight end room. Mm-hmm. In the slot, you've got Hunter Renfro and behind him, DeAndre Carter, who also projects as their kick returner, punt returner right now. Renfro can return some punts as well when yeah. when you need him to. And then um, at the Z, you've got Jacoby Myers and then Philip Dorsett as well. So pretty, I, I actually really like their offensive weapons. I think their O-line is okay. Yeah. Quarterback, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> you know it really depends on if Jimmy G can be healthy. If he's healthy, they have weapons around him for this offense to be productive with Josh McDaniels at the helm, right? Wow. But if he's not healthy, then it doesn't, you know, the rest of these guys are not going to look as good as they actually are, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. So quick note, Josh Jacobs, as you mentioned, he, he still has not agreed with nothing yet. They, they, there was a couple articles talking about him and Saquon, of course. Yep. You know, Saquon's the other big one. Yeah. But I mean, Josh Jacobs, you see the numbers he put up last year, right? Running the mm-hmm. ball. Like it makes sense how you think this, this offense isn't, or the O-line, I should say, not the offense. The O-line is like, average in a way it's just you're letting him do all the work past that line of scrimmage and then they do have like good receiver like good receiver core it's just 
like you said, you don't know if Jimmy G is going to be able to get the ball of them more often than you would like or whatever. Yeah, I I do wonder, just a thing to keep your eye on, Devontae Adams. I mean, this isn't the NBA, so it's not <laughs> like the unhappy superstar gets to just decide they want out and get traded. But I do wonder if like things start going south in Vegas and the things that Devontae Adams has already kind of put out, I wonder what the Raiders could get for him in a trade and if it would be worth it for them to yeah, to trade him somewhere and maybe get some real return. Like, Could they get a first-round pick for him? I mean, obviously they already had to make the trade to get him yeah. um, from, from Green Bay, but I just I wonder if that wouldn't be smart for them to maybe make a trade and if, if things are not going well this year um, to look to get more draft capital in order to move up to possibly get a quarterback if they needed to, yeah. or maybe it's you get the draft capital so that you could draft a young quarterback to go with the receiver. And maybe the thinking is we're a quarterback away. Why would we trade Devonte Adams? Even if we're bad this year, we draft the quarterback mm-hmm. of the future next year. And we, we project that guy on a rookie scale contract to be good right away with all of this around him. And so maybe that's the yeah, argument true. for keeping Devonte Adams. I, I'm, you know, spitballing just thinking out loud because he does not seem like he's um super happy there right now at least based on what's been put out in the media you never really know um when you're reading media headlines and and that sort but just something to keep your eye on uh defensively um i mean you've got the tandem of of max crosby and chandler jones you build into that tyree wilson as well um, they just have a monster front right now. I mean, they really should have a monster front. Jerry Tillery inside as well. Bilal Nichols, Jordan Willis. Though the front, you know, four, and depending on, you know, what they're what they're going to do, I think there's going to be some really, you know, you could see Tyree Wilson. One of the reasons I really liked him, I could think he can slide anywhere from a three technique to a to a five. Okay. So like you can do some stuff where. Yeah, where maybe he's playing on the interior between Crosby and Jones. Um, I'm really actually curious to see how they use him. I mean, he's so long that it makes sense to put him on the edge because he's just got those long arms where he can he can get in passing lanes, he can get you know around the bend and swipe at the ball, all that stuff that we saw on film from him that made him good in college. But I do think there's some real potential for them to be just just dominant up front. You know, I mean, yeah. they could. You know, even Chandler Jones, he's a little older, but man, he can still rush the passer. Max Crosby is arguably one of the best pass rushers in the league these days. Yeah. So they have a really good front four. You know, moving back, you know, bringing in Robert Spillane, I like that signing. I think he's a better player than people give him credit for. Um, they've got Devon Diablo, Darian Butler, and Temecula's very own Curtis Bolton. Um, oh, out of Vista Marietta High School. I was wondering where he ended up after the Packers. Yeah, so he's he's with the Raiders. I think he's been there a couple different times, different stints with them, but yeah, he, oh. that's where he's at. Um, he, so he gives them a little bit of depth. I mean, he plays more special teams than anything, but he plays some defense too. So, And then at the uh, slot corner spot, they've got Nate, Nate Hobbs and Ja'Cory and Bennett are both guys who can play out there. I like that tandem. And then in the secondary... Really new-looking secondary this year. Almost completely brand new across the board. Um, Duke Shelley, Trayvon Morig, Marcus Epps, David Long Jr., um, Brandon Faison, Jaquan Johnson, Amik Robertson, kind of all being the guys that could play back there. Really, really new secondary. Uh, I'm not sure 
how you know David Long and Duke Shelley were both guys who played with the Rams and the Vikings, but it didn't feel like either one of those teams were necessarily disappointed or really upset that those guys left and signed deals with other teams in free agency. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Epps is a really good player, but same thing in Philly. It was kind of like they, they could replace him. Yeah, All yeah. of those guys were sort of replacement level players. And so they're probably better than what Vegas had last year back there, but like maybe marginally, you know, so I don't yeah. know how much that changes things for them on the, on the, on the back end. So we'll see kind of what that looks like. But I mean, you know, really, we want to get to obviously the, the schedule and what that looks like. Yeah, real quick though, I have another little anecdote about this guy Max Crosby. So I recently got into a new podcast, you know, Travis okay. Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, and you like that so one? They, new Heights. Yep, New Heights. Yeah, I just got in that like a couple of days ago. That's and luckily, good. Yeah. It, well, I've only listened to the last couple that they put out. I just picked like <laughs> one of the recent ones. Boom. But anyways, they had tied in you like a week ago, right? That we talked yep. about briefly last week. He was saying Max Crosby is probably the hardest dude he's had to block, being Travis mm. Kelsey. So it's just crazy. And like they talk about like different reasons to why. And he was like, bro, he's just so long. Like mm-hmm. when you got those long arms, that's just a key to success being an edge rusher, which which makes perfect sense. Like Like right now, you were throwing up the separation. You could reach hella far going for a tackle like it's just or even batting the ball down it, it's crazy how those little things are just acute. well there's literally like there's a literal technique that's called the long arm right where you just yeah. it's the one arm yeah. stab and you try yeah. and just via the neck and just really if you can long arm that guy and then keep your other hand free right then yeah. you put that offensive lineman on his heels well if you're max crosby and your arm your wingspan is so long yeah it makes that so much easier yeah, yeah, and then he's just relentless. I have a lot of respect for him, no doubt. Yeah, well, especially like his whole story too. It's crazy. Yeah. So that, that like you said, though, the schedule—one of the last pieces we're gonna get into for as every team that we talk about. They start off on the road a couple weeks. They got the Broncos, so they play in Denver. Start off with the divisional matchup already. Week two, they go out to Buffalo. Let's see, week three, they're at home finally. They play the Steelers on a Sunday night. Now, that sounds like a fun game if you ask me. Just, you know, especially their team being completely different from what it was last year. Could be mm-hmm. some good good uh, football right there Sunday night. Then they go on the road to L.A., play the Chargers. And they got a couple games here at home. They got Packers Monday night. That one, you know, it sounds also interesting. Week six, they got the Patriots at home. And then they're playing the NFC West a little bit. Or, sorry, NFC North a little bit right here. They play the Bears in Chicago. In another Monday night game, they're playing Detroit. Both on the road for those. Week 9, they got the Giants at home. The other New York team, they got the Jets at home Sunday night. That's unfortunate, if you ask me. (laughs) Week 11, they play the Dolphins in Miami. Miami's also coming off a bye week that week. Oh, quick note before, you know, I noticed there was a lot more of those finally with this division, which is really unfortunate as well. I told you the AFC West and the NFC West, that's where you see a lot. A lot of these teams have to play two, (laughs) three, even four teams on their schedule coming off a bye. Yeah. If if I had to guess, this looks like the tough stretch a little bit maybe. Let's see. Week 12, they play the Chiefs at home. 
and then after that, the, those 12 weeks of games, they get their bye week, you know. It'll be long-awaited for sure. Pretty late, but it also better late than never, I'd say, in terms of their bye week. Week 14 and 15, both at home. They got the Vikings also coming off their bye week that week. And then they got the Chargers on a Thursday night game. The fall on that Thursday night, they got two away games. They got the Chiefs on a Monday night, which also happens to be Christmas. You know, they're just doesn't sound like they're they're having fun on those Monday night games, if you ask no, me. No, probably but... not. <laughs> <laughs> Following that that grueling game, though, they got the Colts in Indianapolis, and then they close out at home versus the Broncos. They got those bookends that you talked about last week too. Let me just first start by saying. I think this is one of the more competitive third place schedules I've seen in like yeah, quite some time. True. Like I, I, I found it very difficult to find a stretch during this schedule where like, it was like, okay, the Raiders might be able to pick up two or three wins here. Like I really, <laughs> yeah. and that may be as much as how I feel about the Raiders as a team going into 23, as much oh. as this, the, the teams on their schedule. But like I mean, it's a the first six weeks. They have to play for one. Playing at the Broncos and at the Bills are two pretty tough games. I mean, yeah, I have a lot of. I think the nice thing, if you're Vegas, is that you're not playing those games in November, true. and you're playing them in September. So you'd rather play at Denver in September and at Buffalo in September before it's snowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess that would be the one argument I could make for having those games early. But those are still really two really tough road games out of the gate. Then it's like, okay, great. You finally get to come home. Oh, by the way, you're playing the Steelers on Sunday night football. <laughs> that's not fun. That's not a good that's not a game that you want for your first home game after playing those yeah. two grueling road games. Then it's like, yep, go on the road, play the Chargers, who are supposed to be really good this year. Okay, yeah. come back home again. And this time you get the Packers mm-hmm. on Monday night football. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, you get one more home game here. And it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots coming to town, right? Yeah. So who are going to want to win that game considering the way they lost it last year in, yeah, yeah, in Vegas? So I really, Raiders fans, plug your ears if you're, you know, you don't want to hear this. I, I don't think 0-6 to start out of the gate is out of the question. I Man, I really think the Raiders could be the team that struggles to win a game. And, yeah, you know, they may be, it's, it's, I just think, <laughs> this is so tough. I just don't. What's the game in that stretch that you're like, oh, they'll win that game? You know, I mean, unless you, I see two maybes, uh, that's about unless, the best you could do. <laughs> unless you're someone who's going to say, I don't believe in Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. I think the Broncos are going to be bad again. Okay. Yeah. Um, the but Bills are having the Bills are having some trouble theoretically with with Josh Allen, uh-huh. Stephon Diggs right now. Maybe you know, I don't. Uh, the Steelers were mediocre last year, but. I think they're going to be better. We documented on this podcast why we yeah, think yeah. they might be better. The Chargers, that Chargers-Raiders rivalry is always all over the place. So that maybe is just a game they steal. You know, even though you <laughs> think the Chargers are a better team, maybe they can steal that. The Packers, you know, you get it at home. It's Jordan Love. How good do you think Jordan Love's going to be? Right? And mm-hmm. then the Patriots, I just documented why I think that's a really, really tough game. So... I just don't think there's an obvious win there. I don't think there's a, a game that feels like, okay, they, and even if you get one, you, I'm still thinking it's one in five. Yeah. So I just think this is a, and once you're a team that starts 0 and 6, 1 and 5, 
now you you know even two and four a lot of um, a lot of talks in the locker room for sure yeah it just doesn't get it and and that's without you still got to play the chiefs two more times right you still got to <laughs> yeah. play the chargers and broncos again right you still have the jets on the schedule at the lions like all of those games it's it's a tough it's a really tough schedule if i had to say like hey where's the soft spot soft spot i would probably say week 7 through 10 you know the bears could be much improved this year, but maybe they're a more competitively matched team right now. Mm-hmm. At the Lions, we all think the Lions are going to take a step, right? Yeah. I, so yeah. I don't no. think that's like an easy game, but like maybe the Giants, I have documented why I think they may take a step back. So maybe again, that's another game you have a competitive shot in. And then at the, you know, versus the Jets, but again, it's in prime time. Yeah. So it yeah. just, it's uh, it's not easy, but I would say that easiest stretch that of the is hard. Doesn't get your coming out of the bye week. You got three division games, and then your other two games are the Vikings mm-hmm. and the Colts. This team plays on prime time like a, a bunch this year. For being, I'm not sure why. Too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why the schedule makers decided this was a team that. <laughs> was going to get so many primetime games. Honestly, I, I don't know. I just don't see it with this Raiders team. I think they're going to be a four and 13 football team. I'm not very high on them. I don't believe in an offense led by Jimmy G right now mm-hmm. because I, mm-hmm. I just don't trust them to be healthy. And it's not like their offensive line is so good that I can say, Oh, he'll be fine. I mean, he's already not healthy right now based on reports. Yeah, and then behind them, it's not like they have a backup quarterback that I'm like, oh, they can win with that guy. Like if Jared Stidham was still there, I might feel differently about this team. I feel um, like, but yeah. but it's Brian Hoyer and Aiden O'Connell. You know, I'm not really like feeling like okay, they'll win with any of those guys. I think <laughs> the key to this team is like, and we'll get to it, but like their defense. You know, outside of like yeah. how I feel about their quarterback position and everything, we'll talk about their defense. But yeah, I just don't see it. I'm I'm saying four and thirteen with this team. Yeah. I was very similar. I had him at five and twelve. I mean, if I was going to be honest too, I thought your soft spot was going to be like five to to nine. I thought that was probably the best that looked for anything. But it's all a bunch of maybes in the games that I feel like they're winning. You know? Yeah. But yeah, no, I, they definitely got a tough schedule, and all those primetime games definitely don't help. You don't want to be in the limelight like that if you're having a rough year to begin with. You know? I agree. But, you briefly mentioned it. You talked about their defense. So my question for you is going to be, do you think our guy Max Crosby and company can help carry the team to catch some W's down the road? So I'm going to give you some stuff that I think may blow people's minds. Um, I do have a couple uh, friends from college who are both Raider fans, uh-huh. and I'm sure they're going to they're gonna be really upset hearing this. Um, I can't wait to uh, tell them to listen. So if you look back at this Raiders team defensively, where they've just where they've been, you know, since like 2000, I really went all the way back to 2000 and was like, all right, yeah, what's really been the problem with this Raiders team? As much as you know, people have talked about Derek Carr and the issues that they've had with him for the last eight years, I I I think their defense has been a bigger problem. In 2022, they ranked 26th in points and 28th in yards. 
2021, they ranked 26th in points again, 14th in yards. Ooh. In 2020, they ranked 30th in points, 25th in yards. In 2019, they ranked 24th in points, 19th in yards. Mm-hmm. In 2018, they ranked dead last in points, 26th in yards. In 2017, they ranked 20th in points and 23 23rd in yards. So that list goes through three different head coaches, right? Jack Del Rio, John Gruden, Josh McDaniels. It goes mm-hmm. back farther than that, though. I mean, I just gave you the rankings just to, to kind of make my point all the way back to 2017. But if you keep going, the last time the Raiders were inside just the top 20 in points and yards, which I would say is a mark of just mere competence, top 20 wow. isn't even top half of the league, right? <laughs> yeah. It's literally like just bare minimum like competence. Yeah. The last time they did that in both points and yards was 2006. Art Shell was the head coach, and they were preparing to draft Jamarcus Russell in the upcoming draft. That's wow. how long it's been. That's how long it's been since they had a competent defense. Not even good. Not yeah. even great. Just competent. Um, and, you know, that year they were 18th in points and third in yards. That's uh, the last time they had a top 10 defense was 2002. It's been That's over 20 sense. years since this team had a really good defense. And uh, I just think that the Raiders struggles as a franchise this century of transcended head coaches, quarterbacks. It's not, it's as much as people want to blame Derek Carr. I still go back to like, dude, if this team was any good defensively in some of Derek Mm. Carr's best years, they would have been a better team. Yeah. True. Um, And they have talent on that side of the ball going into 23, but my question is they, they've they had talent there before, but they haven't been yeah. able to produce real results from a statistical standpoint and a record standpoint. You know, they had the year in 2016 with Del Rio where they went 12-4, and four, but even that defense statistically wasn't very good, right? I mean, they created yeah. a lot of turnovers, but in terms of points and yards, they were still obviously not in that top 20 in both of those. So I think this is a team that needs to take a huge step defensively this year, especially considering the quarterback situation they have while they have all the weapons yeah. on offense that can help whatever quarterback is playing. They really need help from their defense. Yeah. So sounds like it. <laughs> I went back and just watched some film from last year and was like, all right, why have they struggled so much defensively? Right. Yeah. And so I was just kind of watching what they do. And here's, here's a, a you know, an idea of like, where could they be? better right or what could what could show up next year that says that makes you say like this team could take a step defensively right so i was watching this game against the chargers one of their better games that they played last year defensively and you know they forced the incompletion on first down here comes second and 10 they're gonna throw the screen and they force the fumble on Eckler, get the fumble Rico. And there you go. You create a turnover. That's yeah. one thing that I think they, they could do a better job of is creating turnovers. In this game okay. against the Chargers, they were much better at it. And it helped them. This is a game where they beat the Chargers last year. Um, in the second half, they I believe they won the game like 24 to 20, something like that. And in the second half, they only gave up three points for the entire half. So here's yeah. another drive. Big adjustment. 
They get the sprint out from Herbert. They do give up the completion on first down, give up 15 yards on first down. However, you're going to see they'll have a little bounce back here and force the punt. And so this was that second half of that game. They force a turnover on one. Then on the next series, they, uh, they're they able to create a punting situation where they can get the ball back to their offense. Right. The big thing is, you know, the, the Chargers are throwing the ball. Okay, here's where our pressure, here's our guys getting in there, yeah. creating a sack, right? This is, uh, I love man, huh? Did you look yeah, up the um, they're, they're kind of a mixture. They play a lot of cover three from what I watched. Um, uh-huh. they'll play some man coverage. Um, I think Patrick Graham, you know, they, they signed a whole new secondary. Um, and the guys that they signed, I would say appear to be more man coverage players or have been in their careers. Yeah. So I would, I would guess that that's maybe where they're going to go more towards is playing a little bit more man this year. Okay. Um, we'll see kind of what they end up doing with that, but that would be my guess right now. Here you go. You got, um, third down and they're, they're able to get a good, good, good break on that pass, yeah. break it up, force a punt. Now this is like a fun look where they give you the, the overload to one side and then actually drop out of it and, and spy as well. And Cleland Farrell actually did a pretty decent job of getting in the passing lane on that. Didn't actually affect the throw, but you know, did help force the incompletion. So I, this is the thing with the Raiders. I just think they they have to be better defensively. Um, they have to create more turnovers, and their pass rush has to show up more. It can't just be Max Crosby. Like they need those other guys yeah. to to do it. And then their secondary is going to have to be better if they're going to be able to, you know, cover well enough so that they can allow their pass rush to eat. Um, and that's the only way I see this team being a better team than it was the year before is if their defense takes a real step up and there's no reason to think that they can't other than that. They just haven't, they've had this talent and it hasn't happened. So it's kind of one of those things where now you're at the point of, if it's been 20 plus years since we've seen you be really good defensively. Now it's kind of like, I got to see you do it before I believe it. Even though I believe in some of the talent that they have there that they've acquired, and now I'm at the point of I have to see it before I believe it. And so because that's the case, that's why I just don't believe in the Raiders having a really strong year. No, it makes sense. I mean, I mean, you talked about them getting all those dudes that are better at man. From what those plays right there, it looked like they're running cover one, cover two mostly. I think they had they had a, a third play in there. But for the most part, I mean, they got to they gotta trust those dudes on the edge, like you said, to let the pass rushers get in there and create some havoc. Yeah. But next team we're taking a look at right here is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. They went 14 and 3 last year. Went crazy. First in the division and you know, they didn't they didn't need a any wild finish. They got the Super Bowl best you can get out there. It's like Gillette. <laughs> oh man, they uh they were really good last year. Obviously Super Bowl champs. Um yeah. their team they had a little bit of turnover. Um I think they they did lose some key players in key spots. Uh, the biggest name, obviously, was Orlando Brown Jr. Um, goes out the door mm-hmm. at left tackle. He is gone. Juju Smith-Schuster, one of their better receivers, he's gone. Andrew Wiley, their right tackle, he's gone. Oh. And then some, some kind of maybe lesser talked about, but um, pretty good defensive players. Safety, Juan Thornhill, mm-hmm. edge Frank Clark. 
D Lyman, Kalen Sanders, all those guys are are good players. They're all gone. Um, but they did bring in, you know, to help shore up at the tackle spots, they brought in Jawan Taylor to play right tackle and Donovan Smith to play left tackle. So they did fill those holes. The question remains to be seen, you know, whether or not those guys will be as good as the guys that they had yeah. leaving. Then at the edge spot, you've got Charles Omanahu coming in. You have Drew Tranquil at linebacker, Blaine Gabbard at quarterback, and Richie James at receiver. You know, Blaine Gabbard appears to be the primary backup quarterback this year to Mahomes with uh, Chad Henney. I don't think he's officially announced retirement, but the Chiefs did not bring him back. He hasn't been picked up by anybody. Uh-huh. I assume that's kind of where he's headed at this point. I mean, he's been in the NFL for, I mean, 15 plus years now, I think. So it's got to be close to the end, I would say, for Chad Henney, yeah. um, which, you know, so Mahomes, you know, the backup to him is not something talked about often, but, you know, Blake and Gabbert coming in to be his backup quarterback is is important. So, yeah. Let's see, they picked up, it looks like, I don't know who else they picked up, but the one we're showing right here is the edge rusher, Felix. You, uh, you're you having fun with this one. Anu DK Azuma. Anu DK Uzama. That's pretty Uzama. good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You Let's crushed see, it. The, <laughs> <laughs> the management coaching staff they got, they got general manager Brett Veach, or should I go Beach? That's a Spanish pronunciation. The the V and B are the same. <laughs> different. Head coach Andy Reid, of course, my man. I love saying it. He looks like a walrus with the with the chops on his face. The uh, offensive coordinator Matt Nagy. They lost their dude last year. Went to I don't remember where. Worth worth noting though that Nagy has been there before. He's been the offense coordinator at one time. Very familiar. And now had been there for the last couple of years as Pat Mahomes' uh, QB coach, so really shouldn't change too much for him, I would say. Yeah, um, especially because Andy Reid is is the is the play caller. So I think that um, things should be even with the the loss of Eric Bieniemy. I think things there should you be you know Man. still run run pretty smooth for that uh, Chiefs offense. Yeah, and then D coordinator Steve Spagnolo. Yeah, I mean, you look at this uh, Chiefs offense, obviously starting up front, big changes at both tackle positions. They also drafted Wanya Morris um, as a backup left tackle to Donovan Smith. Potentially the left tackle is a future. Donovan Smith isn't getting any younger. So, um, <laughs> However, inside, I mean, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, really good tandem of, of guys inside on the interior of their offensive line. They also have Nick Allegretti and Lucas Niang as guys who you know can play snaps when needed um, at the guard and tackle positions at quarterback. You know, you've got Mahomes stalwart there, Blaine Gabbert backing him up. Our guy pictured at the bottom, Isaiah Pacheco at running back. Mm-hmm. We love that guy. This is an Isaiah Pacheco stand podcast. Jarek McKinnon at running back behind him. He comes back and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, as well. So I do really Really like this uh, Chief running back room. I think there's a lot of good players in it, but main, okay. namely Isaiah Pacheco. He runs angry. Yeah. At receiver, Marquez Valdez-Scantling comes back as the X receiver. Justin Watson backing him up. Travis Kelsey as the Y with Noah Gray backing him up. Sky Moore in the slot. James Ritchie backing him up. 
And then uh, at the Z, Kadarius Tony in his first full year there with Rashi Rice, their uh, other draft pick, backing him up. So some familiar names, some new names at the receiver positions. I guess the idea is Patrick Mahomes is so good, it doesn't matter who he's throwing to. <laughs> they don't um, even need to run plays if they're throwing the ball. Just let them, they'll figure it out. They'll run their own routes, you know? Let Mahomes cook, apparently, is the, <laughs> uh, is the key there. Defensively, you've got George Karloftis coming back as the edge. Um, I think the loss of Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark signals that they yeah. really believe in Dunlap, or uh, that they really believe in Karloftis uh, as a as a full time guy. You also have Mike Dana, um, Charles uh, Omanehu coming in. They also drafted Felix Anodike Uzama um, as another player to play on that edge. So I do think they're uh, kind of revamping their edge right now. Inside, you got Derek Naughty, and then, of course, Chris Jones, who recently predicted that he is going to have a defensive player of the year season in 2023. Calling a shot? He said he went full point out there. That's calling my shot, Depoy. Dang. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, at linebacker, I really like this duo of Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Also have Leo Chanel and Drew Tranquil backing them up. And then Trent McDuffie in the slot was a really, really underrated player last year. I, I like him a lot. I think he's a really good player. Legereus Sneed and Jalen Watson on the outside at corner. Justin Reed and Brian Cook at safeties. Mike Edwards, Nazi Johnson, and Joshua Williams being other guys who could play uh, in the secondary for them. Yeah, looking forward to the schedule we got for them. They start off Thursday night, very first game of the year. First Alliance we talked about last week. They play at home. Week two, they go on the road to Jacksonville, Duval, playing the Jags. See week three, they got the Bears. Oh, this is this is me saying I think this is probably the the easy part right here. But okay, that's my guess. Week three, they got the Bears at home. Week four, Sunday night, they play in the Jets in Jersey. Get it right the first time. <clears throat> and then they play the Vikings in Minnesota. Week five, they got a Thursday night game. Short week, play the Broncos. So they finally get their first divisional game. Week six. Also kind of wild. We'll see the Broncos again here shortly. Week 7, they got the Chargers at home. Week 8, they go out to Denver. Play them week 8. So the two out of those three weeks right there, they're playing the Broncos. Quick quick turnaround on those games. And then week 9, yeah. they play the Dolphins at home, which all leads up to their bye. Week 10, week 10, kind of middle of the pack bye, not too bad. And then... Ah, uh, maybe this isn't the tough part. I don't know, but it looks like it could be. We got Week Eleven Monday night playing the Eagles, so getting the rematch right there. Both of them coming off their bye weeks. Week Twelve on the road playing the Raiders, so they finally played them. Week Twelve, Week Thirteen playing Green Bay on the road on a Sunday night game, and then Week Fourteen they play the Bills. That one's gonna be tough. Good game to watch though for sure. And the Bills will be coming off their bye week that week. So a little more rest right there for them boys. Week 15, they got the Patriots. Well, they got two back-to-back Monday night games right here. Playing the Patriots Monday night in Gillette Stadium. And week 16, they got the Raiders Monday night at home, though, on that Christmas game we mentioned. 
Week 17, they got the Bengals. That's going to be a good one. And then week 18, playing the Chargers in L.A. Another fun game to look forward to at the end of those last couple right there looking pretty good. Yeah, I'll start with what I think is the easy stretch. I think you called it um, shot your shot. Weeks three through six, right? Get the Bears yeah. at home. At the Jets, as I've kind of mentioned earlier, it's better to get Rodgers earlier in the season, I think, while he's still working out the kinks with some of those new receivers. At the Vikings, we've talked about what I think they will be this year, mm-hmm. more middle of the pack. Um, you know, I think, again, maybe easier to get them early in the year where they're still figuring out how to replace Dalvin Cook and, and uh, Adam Thielen. Yeah. And then week six, they get the Broncos on a Thursday night, but they get them at home, which yeah, I yeah. think favors the Chiefs there. So that's a that's a nice little four-game stretch where I think they could realistically be 4-0. I see, you know, 5-1, and 6-0 and start for them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. For real. And then I think the meat of their schedule, it was kind of hard to pick which chunk of like four or five games. So I kind of have a yeah. seven-game stretch here. Okay. Week seven to 14. Um, just because you got to play the Chargers mm-hmm. at Denver is a harder game. The Dolphins at home, the Eagles on Monday yeah. night, they're also coming off their bye, but you do get them at home at the Raiders, I think is a very, very winnable game in the middle of that whole thing. Yeah. At the Packers later in the year on Sunday night football in Lambeau could be snowing. That could be a much tougher game than people might want to think. And then finishing that stretch with the Bills at home, but the Bills are also coming off a bye, Um, especially when you don't have the bye and the week before you played in Lambeau. Not an easy, easy game there. So I think the only, the only game in there that I can make a case being um, a definite dub is probably Week Twelve at the Raiders. But even that game, you got to go on the road. You got to go to Vegas. Yeah. So, um, they get the bye in the middle of this stretch, which is very helpful for them. But yeah, they got to play two teams coming off their bye. They got to play um, two primetime games, games in Lambeau and um, Mile High. So I just think this is a pretty tough stretch for them in general. Um, and it's not like it gets that much easier because they're back four games. You know, you got to go to yeah, yeah. Gillette and Los Angeles, and you have to go, uh, you get to play the Bengals, which the Bengals have been like their Achilles heel, but this time they yeah. get them at home. So. Yeah. Tough, tough stretch, I think, right there in the middle. Four real contenders at home, two of those teams coming off the bye. Um, so I just think that's that's probably the tough stretch there. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, it's definitely a lot harder to pick something, like you said, where it's solid like four or five weeks. But there's a lot of a lot of good games that I'm looking forward to watching. I mean, like Bengals, of course, Bills. Maybe that Jets game week four, who knows? Should be good, I would assume. A lot of Sunday good games. Football, they got think so. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I had them going 14 and three, doing the same as last year. I mean, there's not many L's I could think. Like those three games I mentioned, probably the harder ones they got for sure. Not saying they're going to lose all of them, but those are three, four games where you could make a case for sure. You had them 13 and four. I'm assuming same thing. Those yeah, teams, 13 and, I don't know if I mentioned four. Yeah. I think. Um... This is as much a reflection of having to play all the way through the Super Bowl. There's always, yeah, you know, it always makes the next year tougher. But man, Andy Reid's been doing this for a long time. He might be the best coach in the mm-hmm. league right now. They have to replace those two tackles. I'm a little nervous about that for him. So there are some 
some extenuating factors that make this like, uh, you know, might not be the slam dunk everyone thinks the Chiefs are. But at the end of the day, the guy who covers up for any issue they may have is Patrick Mahomes. And when you've got that guy, you can kind of bank, I feel like, at least 12 wins. It's like prime (laughs) Tom Brady, right? Like you're just going to, you're going to win the division. You're going to probably win 12 plus games. So I I think at the end of the day, don't overthink it. 13 and four is about the right spot for these chiefs. You know, 14 and three, I think would be, you know, really, really good, obviously. And and I think it's maybe more likely about 13 and four. Yeah. I will say, I just thought about this, our guy, his ankle. I don't know how that's doing. Hopefully it's getting some good rest though. (laughs) I, I, I mean, he's had plenty of time to rest it, so we'll see, but that is, yeah, that is really important. I should have been paying more attention to the the match a week ago. See how he was swinging. See if his ankle's looking good or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the question for the Chiefs team we got is is the receiver core good enough to help them make it back to Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, at this point with the Chiefs, it's it's really like are they winning the Super Bowl or not, right? Anything less than a Super Bowl win with this group and with Patrick Mahomes feels like a disappointing season for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like, oh, are they going to be good? No, no we're pretty sure they're going to be good. Uh, the question really is like, is this team winning another Super Bowl? And if I'm looking at what are the biggest holes right now, in prior years it was like, oh, defensively, X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. This year it's like, okay, the tackles, I think the tackles are both veteran players. They'll be fine there. They're not quite as talented as Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown, but I think they'll be okay. You know, Donovan Smith was really good for for Tom Brady for a few years there in Tampa. Um, Jawan Taylor will be fine. I think defensively, they're actually getting younger and better. And Steve Spagnuolo just consistently impresses me with what he's able to do um, schematically to help cover up holes. I love their young secondary. I actually think their defense is much better than it's probably been in years past. I really think the big question I have, it's really their receivers. This is probably the worst receiver core Patrick Mahomes has played with. Um, You look back last year, Travis Kelsey had over 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns, but he's 33. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's eventually going to be a dip. 33 for a tight end is is older. You know, you look at some of the better tight ends, it's like, um, you know, Gronk, really he he really aged out early but he took yeah. such a beating as a blocker right that like you know that was that was pretty tough on him you look at someone i think that's pretty comparable to kelsey would be like you know maybe antonio gates and statistically like yeah maybe t- tony gonzalez statistically by gates's age 34 season was when you saw a real 35, 34, 35 is when you saw a real drop-off for him. So Kelsey is not that far from that drop-off. Um, you maybe have the luxury of having him at this level for one to two more years. And then I don't think you can count on him being the, the best guy. Yeah, you need other guys around him. And obviously they had Tyree Kill for so long. They don't mm-hmm. have that. They had Juju last year who was a different kind of player, but – he had 933 yards and three touchdowns. Well, he's gone. He signed a free agency with the Patriots. Yeah. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had 687 yards and two touchdowns. 
but he's really the X receiver now. You need more production out of that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon, a running back, was their fourth leading receiver <laughs> with 512 yards and nine touchdowns. Wow. Justin Watson had 315 yards, two touchdowns, and everyone else was under 300 yards receiving. So I think there's a real assumption right now that Sky Moore and Kadarius Toney and Rashi Rice, like some of these younger guys are going to take big steps and help this year. And yeah. that may be true, but without seeing that, there is like we need you're going to need some of these guys to be better like they're going to need to take real steps and if not that may be the Achilles heel of this team mm. um there's certainly talent in the receiver room but it's a lot of unproven talent right now like Marquez yeah, yeah. Valdez Scantling has never been the number one receiver yeah. on a team and right now that's kind of where he's at obviously Kelsey is the number one option but you know Valdez Scantling is going to have to take a big step up this year so I went back and watched, you know, some of their games from last year. I really liked that AFC championship game. This is where MVS had his best game of the year. He had like over a hundred yards receiving, um, really carried them in that AFC championship game. And these are the kinds of things you're going to need to see him be better at in 23 for them to have the kind of year that they want. So here's a, just a little quick, quick hitting throw to Juju Smith Schuster knowing that that production is gone. He's a big body receiver. Mm-hmm. They don't really have anyone on the roster now that replaces what he did in terms of being that big body. A lot of their receivers are kind of more in the Tyreek Hill mold, small, fast, quick, yeah. lightning, right? Yeah. Um, they don't have like the Looks big, right. big body. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the biggest thing to like, but he's a long body, right? Um, so here's a, a catch by MBS, right, on the Mahomes scramble. So you kind of see like as you're watching this on this drive, you see can see like guys who are producing that are coming back that you would like say these guys need to do more of that. And then there's guys who are producing, you know, like Juju who are you're going to say, hey, that guy's gone. How do you replace that? Or Kelsey, like can we get the same kind of season out of Kelsey? Here's another MBS play on the deep ball. Great catch, That's great sad. adjustment. Yeah, I mean, though, he was making plays like that in that AFC title game that make you say – you know what? I might be a believer in this in this team, right? Because if that guy can make those kind of plays consistently, well, now you have a real go-to guy opposite of Kelsey. Yeah, true. Here's another play. You got Sky Moore going in motion. They're going to run the ball on this one. This is just a, a, a drive in that AFC championship game. But just I just was evaluating on this drive their sort of their weapons as a whole and asking myself, which of these guys can take steps up, which of these guys, again, where's the production coming from when a guy like Juju is gone? How are you replacing that? They love these stacks and these, in these motions. They give this one to Kadarius, Tony little handoff. They like doing that with him. The jet sweeps different way to get him the ball in space. He is definitely get the ball in space type of player. Cause he makes stuff happen that way. Um, so I am kind of excited to see what Andy Reid has dialed up for him in year two. Off topic, but great uh, pursuit by 98 on that one. Hooked on oh, a, a lineman yeah. and then made that tackle. And actually, um, that was Miko Hardman. My bad. Miko Hardman and Kadarius Tony look very similar to me on film. But uh, <laughs> Hardman's another guy. He's actually gone, right? I yeah. mean, he's, he's with the Jets now. Oh, Jets. Um, 
So that's another guy you got to replace. Although I would say that they have, they're more equipped to replace a player like that than say Juju. Um, I think that guy becomes Tony more than anything else now. And here of course is Travis Kelsey, right? To cap off the drive. If Travis Kelsey is still the same level of player and he doesn't lose a step or anything like that this year, they're, they're going to be just as good and just as hard to beat, I would say. But if he loses a step at all, or if he's, you know, loses the things that make him great. I mean, the beauty of him is it, it's not actually his speed that makes him elite. It's more his route running and quickness mm-hmm. in and out of breaks. But if he does lose that, like, little bit of um, quickness out of the break, then, yeah, then, then this team becomes a lot easier to defend. And that's mm-hmm. that's all yeah. my point would be. Sure. I don't think it's necessarily something that could keep them from being a Super Bowl champ or not. But right now we're nitpicking, right? I'm, I'm looking at this roster, <laughs> I'm looking at this team with Mahomes and how much he does. It it really is nitpicking and asking yourself like, where's the weak spot? And so that would be the only thing I would ha- I would have some nerves about is are those receivers good enough? Yeah. Did do you remember which ankle was bad for him for Patty Mahomes? I think it was the left. The left. Okay. Yeah. Because I I don't know if you noticed, but when he was standing in the back, I I don't know if he always has his left foot back, but I always find it harder if I'm ever like simulating. I'm gonna get a snap right. I always have my right foot back. I feel like it's just easier. But for him, every time he was on the left foot, and then would have to switch it before he he did a boot or whatever he was doing on those plays. I don't mm. know if that's preference for him or what, but it's interesting. It awkward. Yeah. But yeah, next team we're taking a look at in the AFC West can be the Chargers, LA Chargers. Too bad their song doesn't translate over to LA anymore. Let's see. <laughs> Ten and seven record finish last year. They finished second. And they lost in that first round of the playoffs. Yeah, they uh had a real disappointing wild card loss. Um Yeah, Duval. Yeah, I uh I actually watched that game with a Charger fan. It was near and dear to me. <laughs> Shout out Sky. Great dude. He unfortunately watched that unfold and I watched him unfold while it <laughs> unfolded. It sounds about right. And it and it was like the epitome of Charger fandom. I was like very happy in the moment that I was not a Charger fan. I felt yeah. terrible for him. You could feel it as the game was going. It was like I remember thinking Trevor Lawrence is playing well. But it was weird because he had thrown four picks in the first half. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you couldn't really say he was playing well. But you know how, like, a guy is – you feel like they're actually moving the ball. They're playing well. They just keep turning it over. Yeah. And anytime you're in a game like that where it's kind of like that, you always feel like the team that has been moving the ball well and turning it over, if they can just stop turning it over, they'll they'll have a chance. And I remember, (laughs) like, they they, they were able to kind of get something right before halftime. And I remember thinking, like, Mm -hmm. at the half, I think I even said something. Like, I looked at the sky and was like, dude, this is a classic Chargers screw-up. Like, this, you know, (laughs) the the Chargers feel like a cursed franchise, man. And then it happened. And I was totally joking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then it happened, for real. And I was like, oh, man, I feel bad now. He loses it. Yeah, I mean, to his credit, he uh, it wasn't like he went off or anything. He didn't he didn't do the uh, classic like fan breaks the TV kind of thing. But like, I think he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I, this is a team that uh, they just they had a heart another heartbreaking playoff loss, and they've yeah. had many of them. I will say, if it ever comes to that moment where you do that, like what 
Why? That's the real question is why. You're only what what good comes out of that? <laughs> you're, you're you got to buy a new TV now. Like there's a bunch yeah, of things that like. go punch a punch. Go take a walk. Go <laughs> take a hike. But uh, I guess it's better than punching a person. You know, there's always gonna... the wall if you really want to punch it. Like, <laughs> I know that's like the classic. That's cheaper like, to oh, fix. I got a than... hole in a wall. Yeah, you could literally get the little mesh thing, throw it on there. You know what there I mean? Like, but it, I don't know. It never made sense to me. Like, get a pillow, punch that, and nothing's gonna happen to a pillow. I think uh, being a fan doesn't always quite make sense in general. You know? True. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> You wear so, a jersey uh, with another dude's name on there that you support. Like, it's crazy. There's a lot of crazy things you could put with that. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. Um, you look at who they lost in free agency, Drew Tranquil. You know, some Charger fans may say, hey, not a bad loss. I think it's – I do think he's a good player. I think they they did lose some stuff when they lost him. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost Matt Filer. Kyle Van Noy at the edge. Older player. He kind of aged himself out. Chase Daniel may finally stop collecting paychecks as a backup quarterback. Um, man, he's the all-time bag getter, isn't he? Guy made more money for doing less work than <laughs> – It's funny because I think that's everyone's perception. That's kind of more of a joke if you ask me. I mean, I, I don't think he didn't actually do anything to earn that money. Like, he was clearly a great dude in the locker room. Yeah. Compressed. What about Andy Dalton at this point in his career? I mean – you know, Andy Dalton had a lot of years where he was a really good starter. Oh, I though. know. I'm just saying now. I'm talking about now. I still – he's still got some value as a – like if you had to start him, I think you'd feel okay. There yeah, are worse no, guys. That's true. I don't know that Chase Daniel ever like I had a know his name. Group set of starts in his career. Like he just made <laughs> so much money being a backup quarterback, which sounds easier than it actually is. Like you still got to – you put in all the same work everyone does week to week. You just yeah, don't play yeah. on Sunday. Which, yep. in my mind, sometimes I could frame Best that job. as that's actually harder <laughs> to have a long job career to have. doing it that way. Yeah, I mean, so, um, but they also lost uh, DeAndre Carter. They lost Troy Reader at linebacker, and then you know they added some guys: Eric Kendricks and Nicholas Williams on the D line. Eric Kendricks is really the only big name they added in free agency at linebacker, but it is a a substantial. Uh, a substantial name. I think he could potentially be an upgrade over Drew Tranquil. So we'll see how he fits in on that Chargers defense. Yeah, a couple more people they picked up in the draft. Wide receiver Quentin Johnson, who we talked about at a TCU. Edge rusher Thule. Thule Pulotu. Maybe I got to pronounce yeah. the I in that one. That might. No, you, you did a great job. Yeah. Cool. All right, Tui-tui linebacker. Pulotu. <laughs> linebacker Dayon Henley and quarterback Max Dugan. No, they brought in two TCU dudes. Yeah. I didn't know they had Max Dugan. Yeah, dude, they got Duggan, man. I, I I like Duggan. Yeah. People who made those decisions, we got general manager Tom Telesco, head coach Brandon Staley, uh, offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, and D coordinator Derek Ansley. This, you know, that's got that's got to be one of the easier ones I've seen in that little section in a while. <laughs> well, I would say that um, both GM Tom Telesco and head coach Brandon Staley are maybe not on the hot seat, but it's it's lukewarm <laughs> at this point. Telesco's been there for a Ricky number Waters. of years. 
Yeah, Telesco's been there for a number of years. He's kind of gotten a pass on a lot of stuff. He's brought in plenty of talent, but never been able to get over the hunt, uh, mm-hmm. over the hump. And head coaching wise, they've kind of been a revolving door of head coaches there for for years, pretty much since Marty Schottenheimer. They, they've never had a guy last yeah. more than like five, six years. I mean, I would say um, uh, the uh, North Turner. Oh, was yeah. probably their longest tenured coach in that time period. And even he was kind of up and down. Um, so Brandon Staley's going into year three. I think Charger fans are really expecting more from him. Um, it's interesting because he replaced both of his coordinators. On offense, he fired Lombardi, brought in Kellen Moore, who's the hottest OC on the market. Defensively, he lost his DC um, to the Dolphins, went to go work for Vic Fangio in, in Miami. So he he has Derek Ansley now as his defensive coordinator. So he'll be first year in the job doing that for uh, Staley. So two new coordinators. Let's see if Staley can get it done. I think uh, this is a. I would say it's based on the playoff exit and the way things went the last couple of years because they also two years ago they lost that heartbreaker to the Raiders. You know yeah. that that whole thing to miss yeah. the playoffs. So. Based on their last two end of seasons, feels like a make or break year for Staley. Like he's got to win, he's got to get in the playoffs. He's probably got to win a playoff game. You know what I mean? It just yeah. kind of feels like he needs to show real progress that way for them to uh, keep moving in that direction. So tough to do it with two brand new coordinators, but um, who knows? Maybe those will be the difference and and be a big reason why he can do it this year. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. Offensively, though. Uh, up front, I love the Steelers' offensive line. I think it's one of the better ones in the Georgia. league at this point. What I say? Steelers. I love the Chargers' offensive line. <laughs> 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 when you do enough of these, you start saying things and you're not thinking. So, um, no, I agree. I agree. I love the Chargers' offensive line. Uh, Rashawn Slater, Zion Johnson, Corey Lindsley, Jamari Saylor, and Trey Pipkins. I mean... About as good a starting five as we got right now. I mean, that's a that's a really good five. Both and tackles are good. The center is good. The yes, the biggest thing is for them has been <laughs> dang healthy. Feels like you say that about the Chargers every I mean, year yeah. in all the key positions. Um, Will Clapp at the backup center, and then Andrew Trainer is a backup tackle. They do not have a lot of depth on the offensive line, so it is very important, as you said, that they stay healthy. So um, hopefully, for their sake, they do. Um. At quarterback, you've got Justin Herbert behind him. Interesting little battle between Easton Stick, who's been there for a number of years now. I think um, shown enough that they're comfortable letting Chase Daniel walk and not signing another veteran quarterback, and then drafting Duggan. So then they also mm-hmm. have Duggan as their third guy. At running back, you've got Austin Eckler on on a new little one-year deal. And then Josh Kelly and Isaiah Spiller backing him up and giving them some depth receiver they're super deep super talented at receiver mike williams jalen guyton keenan allen darius davis quentin johnston josh palmer i mean those are six really good players yeah. and then at tight end jared everett and donald parham i think their weapons everything is there for kellen moore if they can stay healthy and kellen moore is the truth this offense there's no reason it can't be top five in the league I mean, they have oh. pretty much everything you'd like. I really yeah. do think. I think their their offensively, their their production can be as good as you want it to be because Herbert, yeah. 
can make every throw. Eckler is the real deal at running back, even mm-hmm. though he's a little smaller. Um, they have everything you kind of want at receiver at this point. I mean, they really do. Um, I really love that trio of of Williams, Allen, and Johnston. And then Gerald Everett is a really athletic, dynamic playmaker at tight end. So is Donald Parham. So as long as they stay healthy and Kellen Moore is the guy they thought they he is, you know, um, <laughs> they should be really good offensively. Defensively, on the edges, you've still got the pairing of Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, inside oh, yeah. Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Austin Johnson, Otito Ogbonia, um, Tuli Tupilotu, Chris Rumpf, all guys who make up that front. Um, and I think, again, they're like the Raiders defensively, where it's like, you know what? Depth. This team has all the talent up front, a lot of depth. These mm. dudes should be really good. They should be able to get after the passer. And I'll get to it when I get to it, but like their big thing <laughs> is not getting after the passer. It's stopping the run. And so that's where they're going to need to see this front seven be better. Um, hopefully the guy they brought in at Mike, Eric Kendricks can help with that. They also have Kenneth Murray Jr. at will. And then they drafted Diane Henley as well. Um, in the slot, Jasir Taylor comes back to be the slot corner. You know, you've got Asante Samuel Jr., and J.C. Jackson on the outside of corner. J.C. Jackson was a guy who was very underwhelming last year, then got hurt. Hopefully he has a better bounce back year. You've got Derwin James at safety, and then uh, Alohi Gilman at, at free safety. Uh, a couple guys backing them up, Deion Leonard, J.T. Woods, Raheem Lane, and Michael Davis. So been some buzz about maybe Michael Davis and J.C. Jackson, a little bit of position battle there at corner. Um, which go. may be just the competition's good for everyone. Yeah, I was just gonna say maybe just a little bit to bring the best out of J.C. Jackson. I still anticipate yeah. he'll be the starter. Yeah, let's see the the schedule they got. You know, if I had to guess, I took a little peek earlier while you were talking. This might be the easy part right here. Me guessing. We got Week One versus the Dolphins playing at home. Got a couple road games. They got the Titans, so they play Tennessee week two. Week three, they go out to Minnesota. And then they get their first divisional game right here, week four versus the Raiders. Now, sadly enough, they get their bye week, week five. I will I will agree with you, Dojo, that, that just because just you already said it, that first <laughs> four games, first four games is, is a pretty favorable stretch for them. I think the Dolphins game is probably the toughest game in week yeah. one. Um, just cause you know, you're getting a healthy Tua in that game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So True. that's the big thing with the dolphins. And if Tua's is healthy, then that's not a, uh, like an easy game. But other than that, I think the rest of those games on the schedule right there are very winnable. I think they four and oh, going into the bye, three and one, very, yeah. very, uh, attainable. Possible. Yep. Yeah. But week five, you know, sad, sad by early on, especially after those games, like you, you shouldn't be too banged up. I'd hope. Yeah. But following that, they got the Cowboys on a Monday night game, week six. Big game. That's going to yeah. be heavily watched. <laughs> well, yeah, the, those two fan bases, I, I got to say, they're yeah. some of my favorite. I love them, dudes. You know what I mean? <laughs> great, great people to be around all the time. <laughs> week seven, they play the Chiefs in uh, Arrowhead. Week eight, they got the Bears on a Sunday night game. Now, you know, I'm, I hate to break it to you, Bears fans, but that doesn't sound like a good watch. For your side of the ball. 
week nine, they play the Jets on a Monday night game. Now that that's something that's another one we can look forward to. Week ten, they got the Lions. The Lions are coming off their bye week that week. That's also at home in LA. See, week eleven, they go out to Green Bay, play the Packers. You know, a little bit later in the year. Shouldn't be too bad yet. But who knows? Week twelve, they got the Ravens on a Sunday night game. Now that sounds like a really good one in LA. Mm-hmm. There's some dogs on both sides of those balls. Mm-hmm. See, week thirteen, they go out to Gillette. They're playing the Patriots. Who knows? Again, a little always bit later. Always a hard game. Always huh? a hard game. That's yeah. always a hard game. <laughs> Especially late in the year, too. A little bit later. Yeah. And then they play the Broncos finally, week 14. Got them at home, though. Then they got the Raiders on the road. They go out to Las Vegas for Thursday night. That's a short week flying out to Las Vegas. At least not too far. Take a drive up to 15, you know. Obviously, they probably won't, but that's the route you could take. <laughs> Let's see. Week 16, they got the Bills on a Sunday night game. So back-to-back prime time. At least they get a little bit longer to prepare for the Bills game because that'll be tough. Also at home, so that'll be okay. A little recovery if you need it. Week eight, or sorry, week 17, they go out to Denver. Now, you know, the weather. Weather could be a factor at this point on top of uh, elevation. And they close out the year. Versus the Chiefs at home. Well, as favorable it is, is as it is before the bye, man, does that schedule get tough <laughs> out, out of the bye. Holy smokes. Um, kind of had trouble narrowing it down, but I thought week 7 to 12 is probably the hardest stretch just mm-hmm. because, you know, they got to play at the Chiefs, Jets, and Packers, which by that point in the year – Maybe not week seven with the Chiefs. Maybe not even quite week nine with the Jets, but like week 11 at the Packers, you know, you're, you're a dome team playing yeah. a few cold weather games there. I think that could be a factor. You know, I just, and, and not to mention the Chiefs, the Jets, and the Packers all could be potentially very good, you know, especially the Chiefs mm-hmm. and the Jets. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that those Charger Chiefs games are always really good tough games the chargers have struggled to kind of pull out some of those close ones it seems like those games always come come down to the wire it seems like they last couple years they've split right so you know maybe they lose week seven but they're able to win week 18 right yeah um are you saying they're resting their team week 18 (laughs) uh, possibly it could be that the chiefs are resting but even if they're not i just i mean it seems like the chiefs and chargers seem to always split you know, I think uh, your your home games, you got the Bears on Sunday Night Football. You got the Lions who are coming off a bye. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Ravens on Sunday Night Football as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just tough stretch. You know, even if you want to include that Cowboys Monday Night game, having to go to Gillette in week 13 is not fun. They got to play the Raiders or the, the Bills uh, on Sunday Night Football. They got to go to Denver in week 17. It's probably going to be snowing. I mean, you can almost guarantee that one's going to be snowing. <laughs> um, I, just, I just don't. The, the schedule from week six on, there's pretty much the home game against the Bears and the road game in Vegas are the only two games that I'm like, okay, I feel pretty sure the Chargers win those two games because they're just talented. Yeah. You know, from a talent perspective, they're better than both those teams, I would say. 
But other than that, man, every other game I think is a dogfight. So yeah, yeah. I really I like the Chargers to get off to a hot start. I think they're going to be four zero going into the bye, and then I think the rest of the way it's very feasible that they're seven and six the rest of the way, and they finish with a pretty good record of eleven and six mm-hmm. because yeah. I think they're a good team that plays a really hard schedule, and so for but, them to you know kind of win one lose one all the way through the rest of the way it seems about right. Yeah, I had them ten and seven, same as last year. But like you mentioned, bro, this this schedule is not easy. Not to mention all the one, two, three, four, five, six. I got six primetime games in long that route. Like, like granted, yeah. the Bears, like you said, easier game to have on that. Maybe the Raiders as well. But those other ones are all going to be tough. And those are Monday nights and Sunday nights. Like, I don't know. I'm not yeah. saying ten to seven is a is a uh, was a slight to them, but. It's just a tough schedule. And you get that bye week early on, that doesn't help anything either. Yeah, I agree. I think it, it does not help them at all that they get the bye week early. I mean, the nice thing in comparison to some of the other schedules we've seen, they only have to play one team coming out of their bye, and that's the Lions in week 10. Yeah. Um, But I, I even the, week. like, getting the Broncos, then having the short turnaround to going to Vegas on a Thursday night and then coming back, for the Bills on a Sunday night, even that little three game stretch is hard. You yeah. know, just the 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 different travel and rest stuff that goes on with that. So this is a team that struggled with injuries in years past. That's gonna be the biggest thing getting through the schedule. Oh. And with the week five bye being so early, any injury that happens after that bye, week six on, is gonna be really felt. Yeah, that's for sure. We'll see it all on Twitter for sure. <laughs> my question for you for this Chargers team. Can their big fellas make improvements at the line of scrimmage, whether it's offense or defensive? I kept asking myself, like, what what has been the problem with this Chargers team, right? Why mm. have they struggled? And they're so talented. They they have all the some of the best players at at the most yeah. important positions. But you look, last year they ranked 30th in rushing yards and rushing yards per attempt on offense, and they ranked 28th in rushing yards on defense and dead last in rushing yards per attempt on defense. So they're in the bottom four in all rushing categories, offense and defense. That's wild. That's a wild stat. When you consider that, it's actually unbelievable. They went 10 and seven. Yeah. (laughs) Like like you can't run the ball. You can't stop the run. How the heck are you winning games? You know, and and that's a lot of screens. (laughs) That's probably more of a show of like, it's 2023 and not 2002. Because yeah, if this true. was 2002, you, you'd you be 5 and 12. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, maybe back then, 4 and 12. But, um, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, you know, nowadays you, you don't have to be the best running team and the best at stopping the run to win football games because that's just not how football's played anymore. Yeah. So I'm not saying that, that they can't win. Obviously, they went 10 and 7 despite that. But could you imagine if they were like, 20th being able to run the ball and and 21st being able to stop the run how different would that team be because in key moments when they've needed to run the ball to get a first down that's when they've struggled they can't Mm -hmm. and they can't pick up that one yard to get a first down or it's fourth and one on defense and you need to get that one stop and then they've struggled yeah yep you saw that was even in the jacksonville game like that's the the jaguars game in a nutshell they could not run the ball to finish that game out and just win the game. Yeah. And then in short yard situations, the Jags were actually able to get some of those situations, right? Because yeah, yeah. they could run the ball. Um, so I just, I was like, man, 
you know, we're looking at if that's the case, what's a game that sort of exemplified that for them last year? And the 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 Seahawks game, they're a more talented team than the Seahawks. They should have won this game. They mm-hmm. lost by like three touchdowns in this game. I think it was like 37 to 21 or something like that. It was like they lost by multiple touchdowns. And um, they, I looked and I could not believe the Seahawks had 213 rushing yards and the Chargers had 53. Wow. In this game. So I was like, all right. They, they have flashy players at the skill positions. They even have big names on the offensive and defensive lines. I just told you, like, I love yeah. their O-line if it's healthy. <clears throat> and Listen. I think their D-line is extremely... Plus, <laughs> a 37 to 23, by the way. I'm alert. 37 to 23. Okay, so two yeah. touchdowns. My, my apologies. Um, and uh, I think they've got big names on their D-line, but those guys are all pass rushers. Yeah. Right? So it's a little different. So just looking at this game, I was like, all right, let's let's look at some clips in terms of where they struggled. So here you go. They're trying to run the ball on a first and 10. Eckler gets a yard. Right? They tried to run this. You can really see it from this angle. I love the behind on zone, right? You really see the O-line working. Everyone's working. The herd of elephants, right? Working yeah. on zone. <laughs> but all it takes is like the right guard to just get beat, right? Yeah. That's all it took. And now it forces what? Cut back. And mm. he cuts back and the pursuit is there. Yeah. So all it took was one guy. And that's where they just, as good as their offensive line is, that's on some of these plays, you're like, oh, it was one guy. So here's second down. They throw the ball. A couple yards. In, uh, he caught it and fumbled. So now they create third and short, right? So you get one yard on first down, running the ball. So then you throw it on second down. You, you get eight yards. You got third and one. That ruled a catch? Yes. Well, really catch and fumble. Third and one. You try and run that wide zone again. And Eckler gets close, but he doesn't get it, right? He's just short. And once again, same thing that happened before. It's one guy, right? And look at this right guard. Getting beat again, right? There's the penetration. There's where it comes from. If if that guy doesn't get beat, this is a four-yard gain. But he gets beat, same thing. Now it's fourth and super short. So now the Chargers are like, okay, fourth and a half yard. We can go get this. Again, they try and run it with Eckler, and it's the same thing. The right guard gets beat like a drum. <laughs> would you, I mean, I don't know. Same I thing. think I would go for the QB sneak, right? Or is there Herbert, just too much so, up there in the front? so long that I, I don't know. I mean, just have him reach it over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. So that that's you get stuffed, right? So that's what they look like on offense. Yeah. Now go on the defensive side of the ball. Again, you've got Just all this talented right pass rushers. Uh, no, different different drive. Okay. All those talented pass rushers, all those guys up front, and the Seahawks are going and running the ball with, Rashad you know, Penny, uh, Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, Kenneth Walker, right, and getting nine yards a pop. Running the same stuff, running zone up front, but now you see the Chargers D-line is not doing what that Seahawks D-line was doing. Yeah, They're not resetting the line of scrimmage. They're not cutting off zone at the pass, right? They're getting walked back and moved. Look at the difference in yeah. that playside guard versus the last time we watched the playside guard, right? Watch this. Yeah, Look at the left guard here and the three technique. Look what he does to him. 
Like he moves that guy out of the yeah. way. Yep. And there's no one coming behind. There's no backer because they're getting up to the second level. There's no backer coming behind to fill. It's not happening. Here you go again. Now, what does the great run game do? Sets up play action. Now, however, those Chargers pass rushers are so good. The pass, the Chargers don't have a problem defending the pass. Yeah. That's not their problem. It's defending the run. So even when you set up play action, right, it forces an incompletion. It's fine. If you notice, the, the two plays we watched in this that were both passing situations, O or D, the Chargers were successful. It's the yeah. run plays where they're not they're not having their success. Again, having to throw the ball again, this is almost a pick. Another yeah. great play by their secondary. That's not their problem, right? Their, their problem is not defending the pass. It's not getting you know a pass rush. It's not in the secondary. Their primary issue is when you absolutely have to, can you stop the run? And when you absolutely have to, can you run the ball? So here you go. Seahawks go and run the ball. Kenneth Walker scampers in for a touchdown. Because again, the play side guard smokes the three technique. And he gets the slide. Like, he cuts off a him. Cutback. Yep. And it's not that that the, the, the interesting part about that is that three technique, he's in his gap. He's a B gap player mm. on that but he's getting moved. So it makes that a gap so wide and the linebacker is getting cut off right by the zone that the guys yeah. are getting up second level. So there's no linebacker to come fill. So now you just have this huge hole. So it's uh, the chargers have to be better on the line of scrimmage. If they want to be a real team this year, if they want to be a team that truly contends, you want to go beat the chiefs. You want to go beat the Bengals. You want to go beat the, the 49ers, the Eagles. You better be able to run the ball and stop the run. When it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, all those, all four of those teams were much better than the Chargers at doing that. So even if the Chargers are more talented, if they're not going to do the dirty work on the line of scrimmage, they won't have a shot. That's tough, bro. Honestly, I mean those 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 gaps were massive. You could drive a a car through that. That's the classic saying you hear from your coach. Those are huge. And that's that was really the Chargers' biggest issue. And I think if they can clean that up, they're they're a real contender. But they got to yeah. clean it up. Well, hopefully they get they take a trip to the car wash and clean that up. But uh, <laughs> the Broncos, another team, you know, near and dear to my heart. Hopefully these dudes could figure it out with Sean Payton coming in, as we'll look down the road. But they went five and twelve last year after bringing in Russ Wilson. Tough. Fourth, they finished last in division and they missed the playoffs. Yeah, um, they kind of cleared house a little bit with some guys. I mean, they lost Jermont Jones, Ronald Darby, mm. um, tackle Calvin Anderson, and as well as tackle Graham Glasgow, Chase Edmonds at running back. You know, so they they did lose some guys, but they actually brought in a lot of free agent signings that I thought made a ton of sense at tackle, bringing in Mike McGlinchey. Really like that signing. Think he's a very underrated player that's going to help them right away at right tackle. D lineman Zach Allen, another player underrated, will help right away. At guard, Ben Powers helps right away. Quarterback Jared Stidham, I think that's a guy that gives you some insurance if Russ gets hurt or if he's not as good. I think Stidham has shown in limited action that he can be an NFL quarterback. Yeah. And then Frank Clark as another edge edge player. I mean that's. That right there is, you know, four starters and a, and a real good backup quarterback. Um, 
So I think that's a that's a real thing for the Broncos. They they really crushed free agency, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And they did it sort of quietly. No one talked about that because everyone was talking about Sean Payton, right? Yeah. But hmm. I, I thought they, they did a really good job upgrading in some positions in free agency. Yeah, and some people they picked up in the draft, wide receiver Marvin Mims and then linebacker Drew Sanders. People with those decisions, we got general manager George Payton. Or is it Patton? I don't know. Patton. Patton. Head coach Sean Payton, as I mentioned in the beginning, brought him in. Offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, and then D coordinator Vance Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, it's interesting bringing Vance Joseph, you know, who was once the head coach of the Broncos. Kind of <laughs> funny, sort of ironic. He's now the DC, so he's back. But a couple other things I want to mention. They they also in the draft they added uh, Riley Moss at corner from Iowa, mm-hmm. and then JL Skinner, the safety from uh, Boise State. Riley Moss has become notable as the first white corner in the NFL in like, yeah. I don't know, 20 years or whatever it's been. The milk corner, bro. <laughs> I think, I think uh, a lot of people are rooting for him in certain <laughs> corners of the, of the universe. <laughs> so uh, Riley Moss, he actually, to, to tell the truth though, he, he was a guy who made my honorable mention in the corners, a guy who performed well at the senior bowl. He could help oh. them, you know, potentially yeah. could help them. Um, so we'll see. But, uh, and, and be more than just a, uh, like a funny meme. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we get out, put on for the the culture. <laughs> Man, you can't say that. What? Oh, that was, that was, I, I just you got me with that one. I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it. So we got on the offensive line. You got Garrett Bowles, Ben Powers, Lloyd Cushenberry, Quinn Miners, Mike McGlinchey. Sneaky, Some long like last the- names right there. Sneaky, like pretty good offensive line, dude. I like Garrett Bulls. I like Ben Powers. I like uh uh Lloyd Cushenberry. I like Quinn Miners, like I like Mike McGlinchey, right? I those are all dudes that I like. So and they also added, you know, they have Cam Fleming, Quinn Bailey, Isaiah Prince as as backup guys who could play. Um Cam Fleming's had plenty of starts. Um, in the NFL, so another guy who could help them in uh, in the you know a situation where someone gets injured at quarterback. Obviously, Russell Wilson comes back. You also bring back Jared or bring in Jared Stidham to be his backup mm-hmm. at running back. Javante Williams, when he gets you know healthy. returns from the knee injury, they also have Samaj P. Ryan, which is another underrated yeah. signing yeah. in free agency. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if Javante Williams is on track to start the year, so it may be Samaje for a little bit, but um, I think the plan would obviously be those two uh, working in tandem with Javante getting more of the carries and Piran being more of like the third down back. Yeah. He's great in pass protection, and, and oh, you yeah. can throw him the ball too. So Their receivers, the, the Broncos are paying, I, I think I just saw some, the Broncos are paying more money for their receivers than like anybody in the league right now. Um, mm. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim, Tim Patrick, all yeah. good players that I think, you know, we all like, but even more so Marquez Callaway from new Orleans, KJ Hamler, higher draft pick Marvin Mims, another higher draft pick. So yeah. 
Uh, they they brought in all those you know Mims and Callaway this year. Hamler was a guy they drafted a year or two ago. So they're they're both they've got a lot of youth and some bigger names. I mean the guys that they really like um, that they've paid. I think they've got a pretty good stable of receivers. And then at tight end, Greg Dolchich. Apparently, Sean Payton like loves that guy right now. Is what I've heard. So. Russ Wilson did last year too. That was like one of his go-to dudes. <laughs> it makes sense. So if that receiver room can stay healthy, because um, that's been their big thing is yeah. staying healthy. But if they stay healthy, that's a pretty good room. And even with that, I mean, they've got a lot of depth there. So I like them. I like their offense. I think there's a lot of a lot of potential for Sean Payton to totally turn this thing around offensively. Yeah. Hopefully. Or hoping for. <laughs> Defensively, you've got the tandem of Randy Gregory and Frank Clark now on the outside. Jonathan Cooper, Baron Browning, and Nick Benito as uh, other names that play out there on the edge for him. You also have DJ Jones and Zach Allen inside. Mark Purcell, Matt Henningsen as uh, a couple other names who play in there. At linebacker, they've got a fun tandem that I like. Josie Jewell is a player who I um, have liked for a number of years. And then also mm-hmm. Drew Sanders is the guy that they they just drafted. And then Alex Singleton being another player who can play interior uh, or at the mic. At the uh, slot corner, you've got K1 Williams and Jaquan McMillan as guys who can both play in there. I like both those guys. Pat Sertain is obviously like the dude at corner right now. You also have Damari Mathis, Riley Moss, Traymond Smith, all guys who can play corner. At safety, it's Justin Simmons and, and Kareem Jackson. PJ Locke, Caden Stearns, and then JL Skinner being other guys who could play back there at safety. But like the secondary, think I like the backers. Not sure about the front yet. Uh, I do like mm-hmm. Zach Allen, Randy Gregory, Frank Clark. We'll see. He may be kind of getting older. <laughs> be the deal with him. DJ Jones is is an okay player. You know, I mean, so they've got some names though in the bigger spots. I mean, Randy Gregory and Pat Sertain obviously are the two big names on this defense at this point. Yeah, I mean, way I see it, we we definitely needed some some pass rushers since like Vaughn's been gone. You know, that's always been tough since he's been out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been two years now at this point, but I mean, on offense though. I, it's it's looking up. We need our guy Russ to, to to figure some things out. He struggled passing the ball last year, which doesn't amount for much, especially when your running back gets hurt. You know, like it just makes things that much tougher. But we'll see, man. Hopefully, they could do better than five and twelve. But the schedule that that we're gonna take a look at for these dudes, we got Raiders Week One at home. Oh, I will call my shot again. This this has to look to be the easy part. Yep, weeks one week through one, four. Yeah. Go ahead. Week one, the Raiders at home. Week two, we got the Commanders at home. You know, new head coach, new new uh, quarterback. It's not looking too good over there. Week three, we got the Dolphins you in Miami. projecting Ron Rivera to get fired right now? Oh, was the enemy just the OC? That's yeah, just the OC. I, I, knew, I knew what you were saying, though. I, that's, why I, <laughs> that's why I was fucking fun at you, because I knew what you were trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey you know what maybe he gets he gets a boot who knows maybe if things don't go time. well yeah he's been there for some time and you know they haven't really done much who knows uh week three though in miami that's probably the hardest one out of these 
Week four, they got the Bears in Chicago. You know, another younger team. See, week let me five, just they say, got. Before you, just because, again, we kind of already started talking about, like, I've, since we're here. Yeah. I think the Broncos are lucky to get this as the first four games of the Russell Wilson, Sean Payton era. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think they're, they're four very winnable games, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and here, how much, again, and this is, you can kind of put your fan hat on a little bit. If they start three and one, how much does that do for Russell Wilson in Denver? A lot. Because the fans right. aren't on them anymore. As much, at least for now. <laughs> I, think it, I think it would jolt the entire organization. Yeah. If they could, like, let's just say they beat the Raiders, Commanders, and Bears. Yeah. I mean, maybe they lose on the road in Miami. They start three and one. I mean, I think that could, even if it's like, okay, they beat the Raiders, the Commanders, and Bears, I think right now three of what I would shoot for is like three of the worst, maybe three out of the four or five worst teams in the league. And that being the case still, starting three and one I think would help a lot for the entire organization. It would give you some good vibes going into what would likely be a tougher stretch after, but I think that could be a huge start for the year for them. I think that's big time, and I think it's important they get off to like a three and one start if they want to have a shot. Um, I don't. at the playoffs by the end of the season. What's it called? I don't know if you remember seeing this stat last year, but it was like the Broncos could have been, I don't know, like say 11 and six or something crazy if they would have just won their like one score games or something. <laughs> like, it's the reverse. They were the reverse Vikings. Yeah, literally. So but the Vikings, the Vikings won all their one score games. The Broncos like lost all of their one score games. Yeah. No, okay. I'm looking at it. Hold on. I'm going through the schedule. So they lost to the Seahawks, sixteen to seventeen. So there's one. The Colts they lost twelve to nine. You know Thursday night or whatever that Gosh, was. Gosh, both those games were tough watches. Let's see. <laughs> they lost to the Chargers, sixteen and nineteen in OT. Jets. This one's a little bit of a stretch. This is seven points, but sixteen and nine. Uh, here's another seven pointer. Ten to seventeen versus the Titans. This one's six. Raiders, 22-16. Now, the, those ones are a little bit more of a stretch, but the ones that are like, like, look, Ravens, 10-9. to nine. And anything else the rest of the year? 27-24 to 24 Chiefs. And the, oh no, they won that one. Yeah. If they had just won, because that's eight games, if they had just won half those, they're nine and eight. Yeah. So it's not like they, they want them all. They just they, the reverse Vikings, as you said. It's tough. Yep. They struggled in one score games. That, yeah. that I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. So it's tragic, but we'll we'll get down this road a little more. We got Week Five versus the Jets at home. Tough. They get the the Chiefs in you know three week span. That's also kind of tough, but at least they get them out early. I guess if you want to put it that way, they travel out to to Thursday night game. That's not fun. Playing the Chiefs on a Thursday night game. Let's see, week seven, following that, they got the Packers coming off a bye week. Could be tough. I don't know. They had their bye, so that helps them. And then week eight, the Chiefs again, except they're at home this time. And, you know, week nine, probably a much-needed bye at this point, following those those games. Coming off the bye, they got the Bills in Buffalo on a Monday night game. Not Not fun. But... It could be interesting, I guess. Hopefully, they're doing well. 
after the the hot start and you know nice nice little tough stretch with the Jets and Chiefs. And then week eleven they got the Vikings on a Sunday night game. A little more more favorable. Not saying it's gonna be a win, but you know, it's it's looking like a fun game on a Sunday night. Then following that they get week twelve versus the Browns at home. And then they get three week span right here on the road. So they go out to Houston playing the Texans. Uh they play in LA. They're playing the Chargers, so they finally played them, as we just seen on the last slide. And then after that, they go out to Detroit playing the Lions. And following that uh, three-week span of road games, they get two at home, week 16 versus the Patriots, Sunday night. Now, you know, two teams that are very used to that uh, that weather, so it'll be fun to watch. Week 17, they got the Chargers at home. Then they close out in Vegas versus the Raiders, week 18. Yeah. As much as I like their first four games, I think right after that, <laughs> yeah. it gets really hard. I mean, having to play the Jets, again, That's we've funny. mentioned this before, getting them earlier is probably better. Having to play the Chiefs twice in three weeks is just such a tough draw. And sandwiched in yeah. between that is the Packers on a bye. And then you, you get your bye, but then you come out of it playing the Bills on Monday Night Football. Yeah. So like, I think... They could be three and one and then go into the bye and be four and four if we're being nice. Yeah. Right. Like, so as much as that's why I think it is really important though, that they start hot because I think those four games right before the bye all could be, I think that's a, that's, I'm going to say a one and three stretch right there. Mm. Um, unless you find a way to beat the chiefs, one of those, you know what I mean? Like, because you probably split the Jets and the Packers, you get both those games at home. Yeah. The two Chiefs games are tough, though. I mean, you know, especially having to go to, like, just chalk up two KC on a short week as a loss. Yeah, so you yeah. got to try and win the game at home in Week Eight. You know what I mean? So at best two and two, maybe. So I'm I'm thinking they're four and four, maybe at best five and three going into the bye, and then you kind of come out of that thing, and you know, at the Bills. Not fun. That's tough, but you do get them. You know, you do get the bye before it. Um, the Vikings on a Sunday night, you know, the Browns at the Texans, those are all kind of winnable. But then you got to go to the Chargers and the Lions. Those are tough. Mm. Patriots on Sunday night football, tough. Chargers. Chargers and, and then finish the year at the Raiders. So I think I think I'm, I'm probably being a pessimist saying they're going 8-9, to be honest with you. I think they're a team that could uh-huh. – very easily contribute, you know, could be a playoff team this year. I really do. I don't think 10 and 7 is like Homer pick from you as a fan of their team. I think <laughs> we're probably at the high end and low ends. Yeah. All right. We're probably yeah, yeah. like they're somewhere between 8, 9, 10, and 7. They're 8, 9, 9, and 8, 10, and 7. They're somewhere in there. I think they have to win to the, for them to get to 10 and 7, they probably got to split those Chiefs games and then they, they got to split those charger games and then also mm-hmm. beat the Raiders twice just because they do have some games out of division that are tougher, but they do, you know, getting the Texans ain't so bad. The bears, you know, the commanders, those are very winnable. Yeah. Um, especially they could be that team that surprises everyone just because we talked about the, the one score games thing is a real thing that generally mm-hmm. regresses to the mean the next year. So I think they're um, as bad as it seemed Bringing in Sean Payton 
and flipping this thing. I think this could be a very quick turnaround. Like you said, I think they could be what you're projecting 10 and seven very easily. Um, and I think I'm just being a little <laughs> bit more pessimistic because I don't know if I believe in their defense as much this year. Uh-huh. Um, and that's why I'm going eight, nine, but I think they're going to be way better offensively. Yeah, I hope so. Cause I mean, we, we won with Peyton and then, you know, been, been murky since. <laughs> but, yeah. But I will say, yeah, 10 and seven. I mean, if, if I'm being honest, real quick, the, I mean, if I if we don't even count like the division, look, I mean, the way I was probably looking at it, Commanders, that's one, Bears, two, see, Browns, Texans, three, four, Patriots, maybe five, that's five of them, and then, you know, you just gotta get five more somewhere else. But I'm not, I don't know. Just go that's, five and one in the division, no big deal. <laughs> I, I think, mean, that would be something. I think if you that could would... go, I think they'll probably be about three and three in the division. And then uh, I'm kind of with you. Like maybe they can get those commanders, bears, four, five, Texans, six, yeah. maybe the Vikings, seven. And you, you know, surprise someone somewhere to get the eighth. You know, maybe you catch yeah. the Lions or something like that. You know, something weird. You know how games are. Yeah, it's yeah. just always a weird one. So that's kind of where I'm thinking games, eight. They win those. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Win some one-score games and they'll have yeah, no problem. That's the big key. Uh, let's see. But the question for this team is how does Sean Payton come in and help Russ Wilson improve on offense considering, you know, I mean, he had Drew Brees in the past. So, Well, I think um, obviously it's not breaking news that Russell Wilson was not good in 2022 um he had career worse in his completion percentage 60.5 percent interceptions 11 that's tied for the most in his career um passing touchdowns 16 quarterback rating 84.4 qbr 36.7 and sacks 55 so no matter how you spin it no matter how you want to look at it it was by far the worst career for the worst season of his career. Mm-hmm. And it, just, it wasn't even close. And I would say that Sean Payton's offense, you know, he runs the West coast system and I, it's kind of funny when people talk about systems nowadays, they're, they're all kind of the same at this point. Yeah. Like it's kind of funny defense offense has sort of morphed more and more in the modern NFL to where it's, it's harder to, if if you're a good coordinator, you kind of incorporate pieces of all offenses, if that makes sense, you know, but like Sean Payton's base is the West coast system. And so a lot of it is rhythm passing, you know, timing, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands. You're going to run zone running scheme. So it, it looks a little different than like what Russ was doing last year. I think they were so invested in the let Russ cook, sort of train (laughs) yeah he was throwing a lot of verticals he was hanging on the ball a lot i mean that's part of why he took so many sacks right and so i think there's just a real difference when you look at like we'll look at some russell wilson tape and then look at some like sean payton 2018 saints tape and you can kind of see a very distinction a very big distinction in between the ways that those two teams are playing so this is christmas day last year against the rams i was there very first play I mean, just a 45-yard shot. Now, I'm not opposed to taking that shot, right? He actually got the ball out of his hands 
you know, relatively quickly, but like just for example, like they're throwing they're hucking shots all game yeah. long. And this game was a really bad game for Denver. Oh, um yeah. Baker. Yeah. It, two two kind of bad teams, but it was really bad for Denver that day. So then they come back on second down, they run the ball, you're not getting you get nothing. Zero yards out of it. Now they're going to come back, and that O-line just got no push there. They come back on third down, right? And, of course, you're going to have to throw the ball. They try and quick snap him. Russ holds the ball, holds the ball. He's holding the ball way too long and trying to force the ball into windows that just aren't there, and then he throws a pick. And that was part of his thing. Like, his 11 picks, to me, a lot of them were forced throws because he's trying to make things happen in an offense where it wasn't. It just wasn't happening. He was trying to force throws into windows, but he's holding the ball so long. Yeah. It it just and it that's he throws a pretty deep ball, but even in Seattle, they were taking shots off the play action run game. They were still in rhythm. It wasn't just like this like shotgun drop back, hold the ball forever. Here's another drive later in the game where now he's not in any kind of rhythm. He's trying to throw screen. He he doesn't even get the it's snap clean. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't complete the doesn't complete the screen, you know. And like when you're doing that, you're like, okay, we're really struggling as an offense. We can't even complete complete like a now screen right now. Again, another just straight shotgun drop back. Okay, now he's trying to make stuff happen because he's again mm-hmm. holding the ball, and so he takes a sack. I just think that's the offense that Russell Wilson really wanted to run in a weird way. Just doesn't suit him actually. Tom <laughs> Payton is going to be a little carries a little more gravitas and a little bit more like, Hey man, this is what we're going to do to max you out. And Russell Wilson's now like, he's got to listen to him. If that makes sense. Yeah. Again, the next play, he holds the ball again. All of these routes are these like super long developing forever routes where he's just holding the ball way too long. And he's trying to run around and create things that aren't there. I think Russ started pressing too much and he started creating things or trying to create things that just weren't going to happen. They just weren't there. So now in contrast, this is that Saints-Niners game from a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was 2018 or 2019 that just everyone loved. Is that really good game, super high scoring. But uh-huh. you notice the difference in like the pacing of the Saints offense. It's, yeah, okay, run the ball, we get a yard. Now. All right, get the ball out of Drew Brees' hands yeah. and, and get a, pick up a first down. Okay, now we come back off that first down, get the ball out of his hands again. Take a little one-on-one shot ball to, uh, to our tight end who we think has a good matchup. Okay, we don't complete it. That's fine. Get to second down. Run the toss play. Go pick up five or six yards, seven yards. Get to third and manageable. So again, now we can maintain our timing. Drew Brees, get the ball out of his hands. First down. Yep. Move the chains. All right. Even when they take shots, they're very calculated. Again, Getting plenty of motion, something we weren't seeing out of the Broncos' offense. Getting the ball to your, you know, to your playmakers in different ways. Here's Taysom Hill, right? We all know Sean Payton just loved Taysom Hill. He's talked (laughs) about Greg Dolchich as like being the guy who could be his Taysom Hill. So it's interesting. Here we go. We take the play action. We now we do want to take the deep shot, but what does Breeze do? He gets the ball out of his hands and does not take a sack. Yep. So now we can get to second and ten, and we're fine. We get to second and 10, rhythm passing. Oh, we're going to go screen. Oh, the screen was not there. That's okay. We're still 
third and ten, we can still make it happen. Yeah. And he's going to find James Cook in the slot running the seam ball. Even still, gets it once he's on the back foot of his last step of his drop, he's getting the ball out of his hands. And I, and I think Russell Wilson can play that way if that's how the offense is designed to go. And I think Sean Payton will get him to play that way. And that's where I think you'll see huge improvement from this offense. Great throw, layering it over the backer, under the safety, giving the ball to Jared Cook where he can keep running after the catch, break one tackle, touchdown. Little skedaddle into the end zone, little jump man. <laughs> right? So I think that's the huge difference that Sean Payton's offense will bring for Russ. That wasn't there before. I think last year they were trying to maximize Russell Wilson's talent of being able to throw the ball vertically, which is not necessarily a bad strategy, but that's like that's all they were trying to do. It yeah. was just everything was built on wasn't making it work. vertical passing game. And uh, I just think this year Sean Payton will bring a little bit more rhythm and timing. And and maybe I I'm hesitant to criticize Hackett as much as Wilson. I think they share in that. I think uh, that, yeah, I think that Russell mm-hmm. Wilson kind of wanted some of that, and Hackett was not a sort of season. I mean, he's a brand new head coach, and so he was trying to yeah. give the guy what he wanted, what they brought him to Denver to do. I think Sean Payton will be a little bit more like, no, no, this is what we got to do, which is what. Pete Carroll was able to do for so long with yeah, Russell Wilson. You know, sometimes, sometimes guys are their own worst enemy, right? And Russell Wilson, it doesn't take anything away from him. He's a great deep ball thrower. He might be one of the best in the league, right? Yeah. But you can't like run your offense solely based on that. <laughs> like you, that <laughs> yeah, can't be true. it. You know, you gotta you gotta do some other things. You can't only, you know, cook. You gotta bake and whatever else too. you got to prep and season. Yeah. And <laughs> That's actually a great way of putting it. You can't just cook, bro. You got to prep and season before you start yeah. cooking. <laughs> it's a, that's exactly what it is. Great. Great job, Joe. Yeah, so, um, so in, in summary, I think we, we have the teams finishing in the same order, right? We got the, we both got the chiefs, then the chargers, the Broncos, and then the Raiders. We just have the, uh, I have the, the Broncos record. and Chargers tied. That's a difference. But yeah. Okay. But so we're we're pretty similar mm-hmm. records, slight differences, but in general, we both see another Chiefs win in this division. Yeah. By definitely. Yeah, pretty maybe. considerable margin. Too good. They're too good. No other way to put it. Yeah. Really consistent. Done it for what you said, like seven years now. Yeah. The Chargers, the Broncos. Heck, maybe even the Raiders are going to try and keep them from doing it for an eighth. <laughs> and they're taking that 16th. It's like it's like when uh, we looked at it real brief off topic. The Celtics and Lakers, right? Everyone was like, oh, they're going to both make it to the championship and, and battle out for who has the most wins or whatever. But, but neither did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we made it to that time. The banger. Banger right? of the week. Banger. To me this week. Now, quick question. Have you listened to Lil Uzi Pink Tape? I've not. Good. I don't think it's worth it at all. I think it's terrible. Okay. Thank you. So I won't waste my time. <laughs> yeah. I, I do. I, so I, there, there are certain things I trust Jody on, and music is like one of those things. Generally, he and I have similar tastes. So. Yeah. So I was, I was on Twitter one day. And they posted one of his songs, right? It's called C's. Just the letter C and the letter S. I'm going with C's for the name. 
clicked it. And it was... I don't know who sings the song. It might be System of the Down. But it was the... Wake up. But get a little brush put in makeup. Or whatever it goes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, there's no way this is real. This is like... The, so it dropped Friday. I saw that later in the day on Friday. So I was like, all right, let's go, let's go listen. Because everywhere else, it's like, this thing's so good. Like, it's crazy how good this is, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Go and listen. Listen to that song. I was like, wow, that's real? Like, how is this even on his album? That's not even his song. He did a cover to someone else's song. Okay. So I listened some more, and I'm like, this is terrible. I couldn't, I couldn't get through the whole album. I know our <laughs> guy 2X is going to be sad somewhere. I don't know what he <laughs> thinks of the album. But... That's how I felt. Front to but, back, man. Front to back. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But, you know, I couldn't do it. I gave up. And now my true banger of the week. I just had to get that out there. Get off my chest. Let the people know. I don't chest. like it. All right. my, my banger of the week. You brought it up earlier. You said you're not big on country. And I feel like I'm you, I got Jimmy Buckets. You know, he said he started playing it as a joke. I've been listening to country more and more recently. I don't know. Maybe it's. The, the words resonated with me a little more or what, but this song, the way I describe it is Dear Mama by Tupac. This is like the white version. So it's called Thought You Should Know by Morgan Wallen, one guy I've been listening to a lot recently. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, country's been on my, my, my list every time I hop in the car, just bloop, you know? So that's where I'm at right now. Country. Well, I'll have to... Uh... I thought you should know. That's what you. That's what it's called. Yeah, I thought listen. you should know. Morgan Wallen. All right, appreciate it, Joe. Great yeah. uh, musical contributions for the day, and uh, great job uh, looking at the division, the AFC West. You went unbiased today. I didn't feel any Broncos <laughs> love or or Charger slash Raiders slash Chief hate from you. Maybe I early on, I was I was drilling the Charger a little bit, but that's just what we hear every year, especially Charger being from from SoCal, yeah. you know. When they're in San Diego, every time, they just same old spiel. Well, uh, people always hurt. They're gonna take it next year, you know. <laughs> well, we've got one more division to go. Yeah. Um, in our in our uh, playoff right or division primers, twenty twenty three. We've got one more that we'll bring to you next week. The A or NFC West. Yep. And then uh, after that, I think we're gonna focus on some more positional rankings player rankings maybe yeah. we even talk a little Something. fantasy right and we'll start breaking some stuff down yeah and uh we'll start talking chopping it up uh, hopefully uh by that point we'll also start getting some training camp stuff you know teams start camp at the end of the month yeah because um, we are in july now so we'll start seeing some stuff come out for that and we can start talking the bigger stories but yeah i've had fun doing these uh divisional primers i'm kind of sad to see them go we got one more <laughs> Um, we did your, your team's division this week. We do my team's division next week. Uh, uh, but should be fun. I'm excited. And, uh, make sure if you're listening this far, somehow, uh, you can, you subscribe, right? YouTube, Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever get your podcasts, follow us on Twitter, Mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok, And, um, I don't know, maybe we'll get a threads, the new social media. Oh yeah. 
that I seen that. I, I I was so confused as to what that was. I was like, this is just it's, Twitter, it's, but it's, it's Twitter Instagram without Twitter. Elon involved, right? I guess yeah, it's yeah. really that's, what, it that's is. what it is. It's Mark Zuckerberg's <laughs> version of Twitter. That's what it is. Uh, okay, okay. Who knows? Maybe it'll be successful. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. But um, we'll got we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah. Till then, Ray Ray. Take us out, my guy. Special Tony, I ain't about to go in front of Pony. I'ma show you just how bad I want it. Hear the passion, I promise I know this is my moment. I've been working, I've been putting music online. I've been patient, but I'm sitting on a gold mine. Gold mine, I had it since I'd have known time. Gotta rewind to understand my punchlines. In the past, I was overlooked, usually. Been the underdog player, this ain't nothing new to me. I can see the competition worry, so they stop and listen. I promise ain't no politicking with the opposition. This is something different, I'm something you've never seen. Writing lines and touching minds with every stream. Six feet, very beats to say hollow and Apollo. I promise I'll be the hardest like to follow. I make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, man, he on the sun. One's up in the air if you know so. Better tell him, make way for the chosen one. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, man, he on the sun. One's up in the air if you know so. Better tell him, make way for the chosen one. Back home and the vision got them all tripping. I see the change, let me break it down, sit and listen. See where I'm from, they don't make it to the finish line. They have a dream, but they give up on it every time. So when they see me, they don't treat me like they used to. Probably because they witnessing something that they ain't used to. I am not the usual, I am an anomaly. I'm just trying to multiply my paper like Monopoly. Code us out probably, will he make it possibly? Honestly, I'm tripping, man, name somebody that's stopping me. This already written, I'm just living on my prophecy. Regardless of what happened here tonight, I'll still be popping, B. <laughs> man, I did this on my own, too. Put myself in this position on my own, too. You know who you are, I don't need to expose you. I'm looking at everybody who got it like I told you. Whoa. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, man, he on the sun. One's up in the air if you know something. Better tell him, make way for the chosen one. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, man, he on the sun. One's up in the air if you know something. Better tell him, make way for the chosen one.